Destiny has brought together the double dragons. Guard them as I guarded you. We don't really have to wear these, do we? Oh, man, these are great. Can't buy suits like this off the rack. Of course, I don't have to wear the blue one. What's wrong with the blue one? Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, no matter what time you listen to this, uh, this is Arcade Attack. Uh, I'm your host for today, Rob, and I'm with Adrian. Yo, I'm here. And Dildano, Dylan. I hope you guys aren't in the same house. I hope you guys are social <laughs> distancing. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, we're, we're like the triple dragons. on today. screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, triple dragons in the, in the house on screen, yeah. But yeah, there's a question. Like, I called you Dildano. Guess what? Do you know what film I happened to watch last night? Uh, did you happen to watch um, Double Dragon the movie? <laughs> no, I watched that like uh, three or four days ago. I've made a lot of notes about that. No, Barbarella. Barbarella oh. has a character called Dildano. And also Duran Duran. Correct. Although I think he's actually called Durant Durant in the film. Oh, no. The, the <laughs> band got it wrong. Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. Anyway, I don't you know. Maybe they got it yeah. right. Barbarella. <laughs> Lovely. It's a fun film, but we're not here to talk about Barbarella today. We're here to talk about the film version of Double Dragon. Are you sure we can't talk about Barbarella? We can if you want. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously fresher in my mind than it is in either of yours. Well, Rob, talk about movies really quickly. I went, it, people are going to shout at me now, but I have never seen Godfather before up until recently. So I thought to myself, because we're sort of in lockdown, I'm going to treat myself. So I ordered the box set. So I watched The Godfather number part one. Number part one, of course, that's what it's called. Then I watched Double Dragon, then I watched Godfather Part Two. So I've treated myself to three films. <laughs> Two of which won like best film Oscars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Double Dragon won loads of Oscars, didn't it? <laughs> it, it got robbed, I tell you. <laughs> Double Dragon is more of a cult underground film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Underground. <laughs> but, uh, Could you imagine Al Pacino in Double Dragon? Though? That would have been great. <laughs> It would have used up uh, all, I don't know, 1994 Al Pacino? Their budget. Yeah, it would have used up all of their budget. <laughs> I think like, by that point, Pacino was already into his hoo-ha stage that yeah. he's still in 25 years or so later. But I love that. I, dig- I digress. Uh, let's talk about Double Dragon the film. But we can't really talk about Double Dragon the film without talking about Double Dragon the game. Mm. Now, we kind of talked, we mentioned Double Dragon in an earlier episode. I was trying to remember which one it was. I think it was either Golden Axe or Simpsons Arcade Game. It's one of like the beat 'em up uh, podcasts we did. I want to say it was a Simpsons Arcade one where we talked about Yeah, them. quite possibly. Like, so, uh, but, you know, Double Dragon. Double Dragon Revolution. is like the kind of the the god not the god <laughs> the kind of the the original scrolly beat em up isn't it it's the original yeah, d- scrolly beat em up no maybe not the original i think like kung fu oh, the kung game fu. Kind of yeah and then but, was the yeah. first one but double dragon was revolutionary i think we kind of talked about this before brings mm. like a lot of kind of elements into like the kind of genre that wasn't there before like you can go up and down 
on screen, like as in addition to left and right, you can play two player, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in 1987, the arcade. Basic plot of the game is Billy and Jimmy Lee are twins who are also ninjas. And they have to rescue Billy Lee's girlfriend, Marion, after she gets kidna- mm-hmm. kidnapped by a gang called the Black Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, hugely successful in the arcades and on 8-bit systems. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two arcade sequels in 1988 and 1990 and countless spin-offs on like other kind of home systems. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it any good? What, mm. Double Dragon as a game or the various iterations of it? Or <laughs> what are we talking? Double Dragon <laughs> as the game. It's really... <laughs> It's one of these games that's really important in everything, kind of, you know, the, the conception of gaming. And yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe Kung Fu was the first one where you sort of like, you walked along a bit and then kicked someone and then punched someone. But, you know, Double Dragon kind of, it gave you the depth of the stage and you kind of, you had that co, you know, that co-op kind of thing. And it was the first, definitely the first popular uh, game of that genre. So it's mm. very important. I played, I reviewed the NES version a few years ago, uh, and I really liked it. It's really mm. limited. Um, the, the NES couldn't handle more than three spite, sprites on the screen, so it, you can't have two-player. Uh, there's only two bad guys on at a time, and you know things. Like, it's still a fun game. Apparently, the Master System version is better, but mm. haven't played it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's good in that respect. The arcade, uh, the arcade game's still fun on MAME and stuff. You know, you can still get your retro pie out and you yeah. can still play that. So, but it had bad ports. Uh, I think the Mega Drive port is considered one of the worst. Uh, please, for the love of God, don't play Double Dragon 3. Me and Keith did a walkthrough. It's on the YouTube channel somewhere, but we did a walkthrough of it and it got, it got something like, it got, like fifteen percent, twenty percent in the in the magazines when it came out, and I couldn't believe that a game could be that bad. <laughs> and it was horrific. It's one of the worst. It's so disjointed. Nothing works. Collision detection awful. Everything terrible. So it's not a franchise that's been looked well, um, you know, looked mm. after well over the years. And things like Final Fight, Streets of Rage, all usurped it afterwards. So that's my kind mm. of my. My whiz through of Double Dragon. <laughs> oh, and Adrian's got the cool fighting Double Dragon, haven't you, Ad? Double Dragon 5, yeah, on the Jaguar. It's, um, uh, you know me, I defend the Jaguar to the kilt or the hilt or the kilted God, hilt. That game is terrible. But wasn't, but Rob, it's... wasn't Rob really good at it? Am I, really, am, I, am I remembering this right? <laughs> he was very good at it, yeah. I oh. do not even remember playing that game. There were like, uh, I think it's also a good time to plug Adrian's regular video series, which I guess is just finished. So maybe it's not a good idea to, to, good time to plug it. But go and watch it all. Yeah, Adrian and uh, his yeah his son like kind of go be... the the A to of <laughs> Jaguar. I didn't know you. Were, are you watching them? Uh, are you watching them, Rob? Yeah? I watched some of them. Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Um... Rotting the youth. Yeah, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we we've done a series of going from my A to Z games. And uh, we've obviously covered Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, we're on to the Jaguar CD games now, if you're interested. Boom, there you go. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I, I've got to kind of basically agree with everything Dill said. It's one of those games that I think is much more influential than it is good. Mm. Uh, kind of, you know, obviously revolutionary when it came out. But two years later, you have Final Fight, Golden Axe, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, man, just I think Double Dragon has never really recovered from that as a game. Double- Having said that... Everyone stole its ideas, though. If you look like the kind of melee combat and, you know, everyone stole ideas off Double Dragon and just made better games. That's basically what's happened with it. But, yeah. yeah. But again, like, usually influential. I think, like, you know, Lonnie Donegan, 
uh, kind of, you know, skiffle artist was big in Britain, like not really big anywhere else, but hugely successful on the, like, so hugely influential mm. on the Beatles and like lots of those other kind of like early British rock and rollers. But mm. man, you don't want to listen to any Lonnie Donegan in this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> but you might, yeah. you, we need influencers and I think we need Double Dragon. I suppose what, you know, when, when did the, when was the movie made? Was it made just after the, the NES version came out or the arcade version? Uh, well, we're actually going to get into that oh. right now. Right, cool. uh, Double Dragon did come out in 1987. I believe like the NES version came out a year or two later. Mm. The rights to the movie were bought by a company called Imperial Entertainment Group in 1991. Mm. Sound uh, investment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this was kind of it a point been. where yeah. there hadn't really been any like uh, kind of <coughs> movies based on video games at this point. <laughs> So it was kind of a bit of a crapshoot. Adrian, mute your mic. (laughs) Sorry, I've got (laughs) coughing. Sorry, guys. There's not a lot on the internet about Imperial, but according to IMDb, they're involved in financing and branding films. They've worked on a few films. Some of their best-known films, which they've kind of provided production financing, include the inexplicably popular adaptation of American Psycho. Ooh. Boondock Saints, if any of you have seen that. No. It's like kind of a really bonkers version of Lockstock, but like with Bostonian Irish Americans. Okay. Uh, like a big cult film, but I don't think it's really that good. And The Pledge, like a Sean Penn film he directed with Jack Nicholson in. Sean Penn, uh, Also involved with a host of absolute and utter turkeys, the most famous of which are Battlefield Earth. No, they oh, didn't. Yeah. Oh, that film's horrendous. And the way it kind of cuts between scenes and the whole thing is horrendous. <laughs> And uh, the remake of Get Carter, which I'm sure Adrian has seen. Stallone, yeah, he's. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it actually. I want to watch it. I've heard it's. It's actually apparently it's got a few good scenes in there, but mainly rubbish. <laughs> I mean, the the original of Get Carter, if you haven't seen that, is fantastic. Like, if you haven't seen that, I recommend watching it as soon as you possibly can. The uh, remake looks worse than the remake of The Italian Job, another Michael Caine film. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, that looks bad. I don't even want to watch that. Yeah, but it's got Stallone in it, so, you know, he can carry it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the film came out in 1994. It was a debut film for uh, director James Yukic. I'd actually never heard of him before doing the research for this, but he was one of the most prolific music video directors of the mid-80s to mid-90s. Worked with a uh, kind of a few very successful artists, but he was Ooh, never on I, the... Si- yeah? Can I have a uh, guess with one of them? Because there's, there's a little, maybe a hint well, in the uh, film. I will kind of get onto that in a sec, but I was okay. going to say uh, he was never on the same level as like the people like Steve Barron or David Fincher or Herb Ritz, who are like kind of the ma- absolute like kind of massive kind of music video directors of that kind of era. Steve Barron doing obviously Take on Me, Money for Nothing, and Billie mm-hmm. Jean. Yeah, David Fincher before he went to films like hugely like was the biggest film music video director like in the entire world for a year or two. Um, you'd have like definitely seen s- some of his videos. Uh, anyway, like, uh, but y- I was going to go into what stuff James Yukich had done. What were you going to say, Age? Well, no, there's a couple of songs or artists mentioned in Double Dragon. Bit of a spoiler, but maybe um, Madonna. I know Madonna was mentioned actually in the film. No, uh, Fincher was actually like the uh, worked quite extensively extensively with Madonna. He did like okay. Vogue and Express Yourself, but no, uh, not Madonna. Okay, and I'm kind of ruining the right end of the film here, but. The farm, I think. We had, we had a song at the end of the film, bizarrely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he did uh, the video for that either. Like, um, he was the director of choice for Phil Collins and Genesis, oh. which basically, yeah, not very good. 
easily. But but you know those videos include I Can't Dance, which was a bit forgotten now, but it was a great video and like incredibly popular on MTV in the I early nineties. Walk and I can dance. Yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, he can kind of like sing. A... Adrian can sing. <laughs> it was kind of like a spoof version of a ZZ Top video, but it was good. And also Land of Confusion, the one with the spitting image puppets. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did a couple of Fine Maiden, which I would only mention because I thought Keith was going to be on here. <laughs> <laughs> he still kidnapped you. <laughs> Yeah, he, but, uh, he couldn't bring himself to watch Double Dragon the movie. He just just couldn't do it. He was like, I, I can, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to my, build. I'm going to build Anfield instead. That's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> my two favorite Jim Yukich films are sorry, not films, music videos. Are number one, Voices That Care, the terrible pro golf war charity single that came out in the early nineties. Had about twenty famous pop stars and vocals, mm. and literally dozens of famous celebrities on backing vocals, and still couldn't make the top ten either what? here or in the US. Wow! And like these are proper famous. There are at least two like. Probably, I would say, permanent A-list celebrities, like in the main kind of uh, music lineup, like Celine Dion, Will Smith, and mm. like proper, like loads of like proper A-level actors in like the so-called chorus, and like, but yeah, awful, awful song, but worth checking out as kind of a curiosity piece, and also Librarian Girl, the like the Michael Jackson oh. had the cursed video, mm-hmm. yes. uh, which he directed. Uh, can you remind us of the video age? Isn't it? Am I getting confused by a few? Is it when it, all the film stars in, in the video? Uh, yeah, kind of. There's about 35 famous celebrities like in the video, and like they're all kind of hanging around the set, and they all kind of gather around, and they go. I, but yeah. I thought I was starring in Michael's video. That's right. <laughs> and then like my favorite, Rob, my favorite person in that video is Carl Weathers. He's in it. Carl Weathers. I knew you were going to mention it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but then it turns out that like the director is Michael Jackson. He was filming them all. Like all along. I mean, but the song's all... rubbish, but actually, I think it's quite a clever video. Actually, did he direct that in? Uh, oh. Yeah, he directed that video. It wasn't actually Michael Jackson. He just turned Ooh, up at the end and directed his chair. But uh, basically, almost everyone in the video would see their careers disintegrate in the next five years. It's Steve Guttenberg Ouch. was in it. <laughs> it was the yeah, like, example. It's proper like 80s celebrities like Steve Guttenberg. Um, who else in it? Like Dan Aykroyd. There's various models and TV actors who just would never hear of again, like kind of oh. low-level pop stars. I think maybe Debbie Gibson is in it. Oh. The only like the only people who said like big-level careers in the next, I guess, like a few years after this was John Travolta because Stallone, so not Stallone, Tarantino pretty much rescued him, mm. and Steven Spielberg is in there for like three seconds, and <laughs> he's still there. I guess maybe Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic kind of counts, but yeah, we'll let Carl Webber slip through as well, just about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but like he also did a TV movie called The Return of Bruno, something which has been completely forgotten about since then. But it was basically like a at the time really successful kind of ego trip movie for Bruce Willis mm. before he like went into Hollywood properly. He was like in the TV show Moonlighting and kind yeah, of yeah. really successful ads, and that was like it was kind of the conceit was that Bruce Willis was this fictional sixties pop star. So they had like talking head interviews with actual like excuse pop stars and uh it was based around that like no one at our age has seen it basically but mm. uh yeah the, like uh, this was basically his experience before he came on to double dragon the only feature film he directed after double dragon was a film called affair to remember spelt a space f-a-r-e which a high-powered executive takes a Christmas taxi ride with um, a cab driver played by Malcolm Jamal Warner, 
Oh no, okay. Malcolm Jamal Warner. <laughs> Who was Dylan? Um, he's in the Cosby Show. He's um, <laughs> yes, Theo, isn't he? In the, in the Cosby Show. Correct. Like, I don't think it, that film actually got a theatrical release. Like, uh, I mean, I've only seen a few of his music videos, but my impression is that he didn't really have the distinctive visual style that maybe a lot of the directors who made the jump into film successfully did. Mm. And there are a few of them, like David Fincher, we've already mentioned, Spike Jones, Mark Romanek, like uh, Michel Gondry, uh, Michael Bay. It's like a big music Ugh. video director. Mm. Even McGee, like the guy who did like Charlie's Angels movies, oh, yeah. was pretty big and... You know, you can say all of those people basically had a distinct visual style. Anton Corbain as well. Like, mm. you know, for better or worse, you can tell that kind of stuff when you see it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Distinctive. Yeah. Uh, getting on to the writing. The story was done by Paul Dini and Neil Schusterman, both best known for kids' TV writing. Okay. Although, uh, yeah, with yeah. very different categories. Like, yeah. Paul Dini had done work on a lot of animated series, most notably Batman the Animated Series. Yes, yeah, we're all, Good. all fans of that, I think. What character is he most famous for creating? Oh, what, from Batman? Yeah. Uh, or comic books in general? Scarecrow? No, I'll give you a clue. Probably one of the three biggest breakout characters in comics over the last 30 years or so. Uh, I- Iron Man? No, like, over the last... People who exist created in the last 30 years and on the Batman cartoon. Oh. Uh, they have it. Yes, Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn. He's oh, well the done. person who created it. Uh, he in 1992. He later moved on to lots of comic and TV cartoon writing for DC, who obviously used to be very good at that. Um, Schusterman, like I don't think anywhere was not kind of anywhere near as celebrated on the same level. Mm-hmm. But that was like kind of the basic story. The script was by two guys called Michael Davis and Peter Gould. Davis had just written a film called Prehysteria with an exclamation mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a kid's film where a boy finds dinosaur eggs that hatch. Uh, that's basically the, like, the kind of the story of the movie. Oh. Uh, and he went on to write and direct a bunch of films. The only one of which you've probably heard of is Shoot 'em Up with Clive no. Owen and Monica Bellucci. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, like did a load of kind of like he never really had a proper writing job before, like Peter Gould, sorry, never had a, a proper writing job before Double Dragon. But he went on to be a writer for Breaking Bad and then actually went That's, on to create Better Call Saul. Yeah, he created Better Call Saul. I've seen his name pop up because I watched I'm a massive fan, Rob. I was going to say I've heard that name. When I watched Double Dragon, I saw the credits. Like, I'm sure I've seen Peter Gould somewhere. That's incredible. Yeah, like <laughs> Michael Davis, like I say, did direct a bunch of films, but none of them were really that big they have people that went on to be quite well known later but like i'd never heard of them i doubt most of our listeners would so who really cares to be honest uh, <laughs> bad, s- uh there was a right a polish on the script done by a guy called mark brazil and again i'd never heard of him but he'd written for talk shows like kind of late night talk shows before this he was subsequently gone to work for in living color like the sketch show with like the wayans brothers and jim carrey before he became famous and third rock from the sun for oh. co-creating that 70s show. Oh. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, there were some kind of talented people working on this film. Just It was pretty near the beginning of their career. Mm. Uh, art director, a woman called Maya Shimoguchi, who had gone to be one of Hollywood's most like celebrated set designers, uh, before going on to be art director for films like Thor, War of the Planet of the Apes, and Le Mans 66, as well as the TV show True Detective. Oh. Wow. True Detective, I know. Man. Man, pe- these people are pretty <laughs> successful. 
Yeah. Special effects coordinator. We'll get onto the special effects later on. A uh, guy called Mark DeSaro, who'd worked on Die Hard 2 and Demolition Man, and went on to be special effects coordinator on a few what? mid-level films and a bunch of TV shows, none of which, to be fair, were well-known for their special effects. Talking stuff like Desperate Housewives, Mindy Project, Blackish. Wow. I guess pretty, yeah, pretty simple stuff. Cinematographer was a guy for music videos called Tony Mitchell, but he got injured on the second day of kind of filming. He got replaced by a guy called Gary Kibb, who basically did a lot of late period John Carpenter films. They live most famously, but also, <gasps> yeah. But I love that film. <laughs> yeah. Also stuff like Prince of Darkness. Uh, he, at the time, like he'd made this, he just finished uh, Robocop 3. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Uh, Yukich told Yukich told Game Informer, who interviewed him, that he didn't think Kib was the right fit for an action movie, which I guess is fair enough. Like a lot of that stuff seems to have more of a horror movie feel. I mean, that is kind of fair. But having said that, we've kind of gone through this, and in my opinion, there are already far too many inexper- inexperienced people in the crew. And I think maybe it was good to kind of have someone who'd actually worked on proper, like high-level films before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd go along. Uh, with. Yeah, anyway, get on to the film itself. Uh, should we kind of go through a run through of the plot? Man, yeah, go on. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> okay, basically, an ancient Chinese king has sacrificed himself to create a magic medallion that ends up splitting in half. So one half of this medallion has power over the body, and the other has power over the soul. This is like uh, kind of done in a, you know, a little kind of intro bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Opening bit is a really cool kung fu battle in an in like an ancient what I thought was an ancient village but it turns out it's actually not an ancient village it's in present day uh, did you recognise anyone in the scene either of you can't remember it no, no. Uh, one of the guys was called a guy called Al Leong who you might know as either Uli in Die Hard he's the guy who like eats the, the chocolate wrappers <laughs> oh, no. you know the bit you know the scene like Die Hard when all like the <laughs> Or like the um, Gruber, Hans Gruber's gang are getting re- ready like to take on the SWAT team, oh. and like the guys like he yeah. sees like the chocolate bars, he starts eating them. You shouldn't eat wrappers. That is bad for your indigestion, Rob. Okay, he was eating the chocolates inside the wrappers, <laughs> and but he was also Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted. Mm. Oh yeah, oh fair play. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I thought this was still in ancient China, but it turns out like. Uh, the stealthy ninja who gets away with one part of the medallion is actually a blonde American woman. And it's set in the present day. Yeah. Well, I say present day. Actually, it's set in either the past or the future. <laughs> yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got the date, Rob. 2008? Seven. Seven. Yes, Adrian is correct. 2007. Yes, yeah. Quote, unquote, after the quake. Oh, God. After the great flood, isn't it? <laughs> I've got Great it. flood and great quake. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing much like Japan, it was a tsunami. Like a quake, it was a quake that caused a tsunami. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the main bad guy is called Koga Shuko. Yes. Played by. Oh, I love it by Robert by Patrick. The T one thousand. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Robert Patrick, aka the T one thousand Terminator two. Did he That's do good this? Casting. Did he do yeah. this? He must have done this before T two, right? No, I think it's after no, it was Terminator. Oh, it was three years after Terminator 2. He, uh, in oh, between the two God. films, he'd, he'd start actually starred in a few films, but they were all low-budget flops. Oh, man. It's so I, His star wouldn't have been any brighter after T2. He'd be like, he should be the pick of the bunch in Hollywood, do you not think? No, I don't think he's. you'd really say... Because he didn't really have any charisma in Terminator 2. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think he was somebody who could really lead a movie. He's not really an actor, to be fair. He is kind of in that... 
I can see him in a supporting role for like a Hollywood film, but you can never imagine him leading a proper film. Rob, do you know I've seen him in the flesh? Did you meet him? Well, I didn't meet him because I was at Comic Con last year, and you can pay. You have to pay to get your photo of him or whatever, shake his hand. I didn't bother paying, but I just I was just organing at him for about ten minutes. On the back of the room, I was like, "Look, that's Terminator guy." That's term- That's the T one thousand. He looks older, what? but he's still definitely him. Why are people being nice to him? He's like kills people. <laughs> why? why? He's, also, he's also the bad guy in Double Dragon. I said, "Oh, you're my favorite actor in Double Dragon." <laughs> <laughs> question: How much was I, he charging? A... Actually, sorry, Rob. What, how much was that's he charging question. to to, um, to, to sign, uh, you know, sign stuff? Ooh, uh, probably about fifty quid, if you want. Like, an, uh, mod, I know. Yeah. I, I I spent a bit less to get a. a a handshake with uh, Johnny Lawrence from um, Karate Kid. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Money well spent. Money well spent. Yeah. How much was yeah. he? About a fiver? <laughs> <laughs> it was about 30 quid, I think, you know. Oh. But it was big. Cobra Kai, man. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Must not die. Yeah. <laughs> Sweep, the leg. Say, Sweep the leg. As I say, like, I, he was in a bunch of really low budget flops between, in between the, those two films. I really hadn't heard any of those, but. He did have a very brief, very memorable guest appearance in a film between those two films. That I know for <gasps> Adrian knows what it is last, for the sound last of it. Hero. No. Oh. Uh, pretty certain it's a film both of you have seen. It's a sequel to a film that came out before Terminator Two. Why don't I remember him being in any other films? <laughs> he was basically playing the T one thousand or a version. They didn't really name him, but in Wayne's World too. Oh, of course he's in Wayne's World too, isn't he? Yeah, I and don't uh, him in Wayne's World. He too. is. He is. Although I barely remember Wayne's World too. So yeah, the first one's good. The second one's meh. Yeah. I think the first, second one's very good. Like it's not quite as good as the first one, but still a very funny film. There's there's high, there's flashes of genius. I'll say that about it if that makes sense. Anyway, um. In this film, Robert Patrick is sporting a combo of a bleached blonde crew cut oh, man. and a moustache that looks like the one that was Andy Cairns, the singer from Therapy, was wearing at the same time. Uh, do you know uh, what? I think it suits him, Rob. I actually think he looks quite dapper. I was, do you know what? I've actually got written my notes. I actually think he looks pretty cool. Yeah. He shouldn't look cool, but he does in a weird way. Yeah, I think it does work. Dill, what do you think? I think he looks cooler than the name. Kukushuku. <laughs> Yeah, I think, actually think he does a very good job in this film. Although... Yeah, I do. I do. I think he steals the scenes when he's on it, actually, to be fair, which is not always a difficult job. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I like him in this film. I, actually, he was watchable, you know? Yeah, um... I, I think the same. Like, the blonde woman who stole the other half of the amulet is his henchwoman mm. called... She's also in the game. Anyone remember her name? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. oh, I've forgotten her name, but yeah, she's in the game. Um... Oh, is it... It's not Electra or something, is it? No, oh. it's something oh. not ridiculous rebecca is it rebecca no that's a different person it's something it? normal isn't it what's her name in it um i've got written down linda lash but I have a Lin- my yes pick. linda lash yeah that's why it's yeah. just like a normal name linda with the whip but with a lash yeah um, that's one yeah she has, she needs to work on her delivery because she's yeah. not great in it let's be honest yeah, I like I kind of had a separate section of the acting, but for me, I think she was the worst actor in the movie. She just Would looked completely out of place. I mean, a whip had more film, charisma <laughs> in a film with her in a film with lots of things out of place. She's probably the most thing, the thing most out of place. But, yeah. Mm. Anyway, like she, when she gives him the half the amulet, he uses it to disappear, and he like goes all black and white, isn't like 
a black and white movie. Those are cool special effects, I think. Mm-hmm. I did not think those were cool <laughs> special effects. <laughs> this is 94, Rob. Come 94, on. 94, mate. I thought, you know, I think, I thought that was quite cool. I was like, if I'd have seen that in cinema, I'd have been like, ooh, that's cool. Mm. I mean, you have to bear in mind, this is, came out the same year as The Mask, and yeah. a good five or six years after Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and... Yeah. yeah, it's nothing compared to those. Come on. Yeah. So uh, who holds the other half of the medallion? Um, oh, the, the um, lady the... who is the adopted mum of the twins. That's yeah. correct. Uh, she's only a little bit older than the twins, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. basically. She like, went over to some like old kids and were like, oh, do you want me to I'll adopt be your mum you? now. I'll adopt you. You guys need look like you could do with a pizza. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she is uh, their guardian, Chinese woman caught... Is she Chinese or Japanese? I, that sounds awful, but, like, I couldn't... We don't know. We, I, don't, I finished, we don't know. I'm going to say Chinese. Uh, yeah. Of course she's Chinese. What am I talking about? I've, got, like, I've literally talk, been talking about the plot being set in ancient China. Anyway, her name is Satori. Mm. And uh, she holds the other half of the amulet, and she's coaching the Lee brothers as they fight each other in the indoor car park dojo. Indoor is car that, park dojo. <sighs> Uh. It's like it seems to be like an underground martial arts tournament, but it has also has corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like everyone in the crowd is wearing karate clothes. It's really weird. Why it's is everyone crazy. in the crowd wearing karate clothes? It's, just... <laughs> it's like it has corporate sponsors, but there's like no spectators there's who no... aren't in the tournament, and <laughs> it's on TV or anything. It's, it's a bit like Wembley, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prawn Sandwich Brigade. <laughs> it's a bit like Wembley. We just stole the corporate sponsors in. Surely the Emirates would be it. Sorry, the, the Emirates or the Etihad would be it. Ooh. <laughs> I can't say the Etihad. But yeah, yeah we, we say the Etihad, that's fine. We don't we don't have any Man City fans on our on our on our panel, <laughs> we do, but, but we do, we Adrian is pretty Adrian's always talking about his arse blog, isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, uh getting on to the twins, uh Billy and like Billy and Jimmy Lee. Oh, God. Uh, How do I say this without sounding a little bit? They're not twins. They can't twins. be twins. And yeah. I don't want to sound rude, and I've got to be careful what I say here, but they are not genetically twins. They have different ethnicities. We can say <laughs> this now. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. from an ethnic minority. I can say that they're from different ethnicities. <laughs> it's a bit well, like... It's a bit they like could be brothers. And, it, yeah. J- J- Jimmy and Billy Lee might as well be played by me and Rob. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically oh, it, isn't it? We'll talk about the um, AA remake soon, won't we, Dylan? Are we going to do an AA remake? People keep challenging us to do these things, and we'll do it. Yeah. We, we will do it, mate. You know. Well, oh. well Dylan, I don't see colour, so I Nathan. don't... Did Nathan? <laughs> I ah. see any difference between oh, you, yeah, Dylan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or for that matter, between you and me. <laughs> didn't, yeah, we look exactly the same. Didn't, didn't, didn't Nathan charge... Challenge us to do an, eight, an arcade attack remake of Double Dragon. He wants to make remake the film, and if he, we can act better, that's Nathan, what you said. know we'll bloody do it. Just, <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm Sartori. Uh, okay. Adrian can be Adrian can be, be a Bobo. A, no, I want to be Scott Scott Wolf. Actually, thanks. <laughs> I was just about to ask you who played who played Billy and Jimmy, and yeah, the answer is Scott Wolf. Oh, and, by the, and Matthew by Fox. The way, I would obviously be Kokushuko in this. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. getting on to this, Billy is played by Scott Wolf, best known for... Yeah, because I was watching my wife, and Becca was like, oh, that's the guy from Party of Five. And I'm like, what are you on about, Party of Five? He's like, yeah, I used to watch that. True yeah. story. <laughs> Party of Five, like the probably now mostly forgotten mid-90s kind of teen drama show that had not only Scott Wolf, 
who went on to be in Double Dragon, but also um, Neve Campbell Campbell. in the Scream movies. And Jennifer Love Hewitt, who Mm. was in lots of stuff in the late 90s. And Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox, who went on to be lost. Um, Being lost, yeah. Rob Rob Dylan, how many TV shows or even films have got actors that have both got animals in their surnames that are quite similar? So Wolf and Fox are quite similar, aren't they? I don't know. That's a good point. But Bojack Horseman really took them... (laughs) <laughs> took the mick out of them both. So basically, really? I, I can't remember which way it was round, but they had um, they had both of them like pre- presenting a, an award or something to Bojack. Or, I can't remember now. But either Scott Wolf is a fox, and <laughs> Matthew Fox is a really demented wolf or something. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, those guys, that that, that, that is odd. Funny. That is odd how there's a wolf and a fox in part. Do you know what, though? Scott Wolf, um, I don't know much about his acting ability too much. I've only seen him in Double Dragon, really. Uh, And Go. And Go. I've seen him in Go, yeah. Okay, that's a fair point. But actually, I think he's quite likable. I think he's not... He's almost like the the kind of Z-list uh, Michael J. Fox. So if you can't get Michael J. Fox, you go with Scott Wolf. They're kind of that sort of cheeky chappy kind Z-list of Z-list is kind of harsh. It's yeah, it's not Z-list. On the C-list. I yeah, think like... Yeah. Obviously, none of the none of the cast of Party of Five are really anything much anymore for differing reasons. Some of which we can't l- probably legally go into on the part. Oh. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, but like, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, but like, you know, I think they all kind of had enough charisma to be big for brief periods. Obviously, Scott Wolf went on to be in Go, which did Dylan and me go to see that in the cinema at no, the same time? I, I, I think. You told me it was good, and then mm. I, as soon as it came out on video, I bought it. But it's mm. funny, like, he looks so much younger in Double Dragon than he does in Go, and Go was only filmed, what, three years after? No, it was uh, five or six years. No, was five it, years after, I think. Was it 99, Go? Yeah, Go came out uh, really mm, like the same month as um, Human Traffic, which is kind oh, of like okay. a British version right, of Go. Five, yeah, five, five years make, will make sense then. He just yeah, like, I mean, bit, like when, when I was watching Double Dragon, I'm like, should he look that young? Like he looks like <laughs> bloody like sixteen because he's meant to be seventeen in the in the mm. in the film, isn't he? So mm. I'm guessing he probably was seventeen or sixteen or something like that when he was in Double Dragon. Yeah, mm. uh, and the the brother Jimmy is played by a guy called Mark uh, DeCascos. Uh, he yes, was then a, at that point a complete unknown. But uh, Dylan, you seem to know who he is. Well, wasn't he like some kind of like martial art? dude because doesn't he do it doesn't he do his own stunts am i getting this completely wrong with am i getting this mixed up with something else i'm sure he does his own fighting in the film because he is a proper martial arts guy and... he's a proper martial arts dude <laughs> i know him from somewhere else but i can't put my finger on it but i his name definitely rings a bell so he's well a, he's a proper like martial arts dude <laughs> hence why he can't act that great <laughs> his, his biggest subsequent role came actually last year like that recently like 25 years onwards as wow. zero in john wick three Oh, uh, there you go. I haven't yep. seen John Wick 3, but I think that's where I kind of know the name from. But... He was also uh, Ling in Cradle to the Grave. That's number two, Cradle to the Grave. I've seen that, yeah. They're kind of Jet Li DMX film that was like mm. a serious version of Rush Hour. There you go. And he, but he also starred like a late 90s TV adaptation of The Crow. And this is probably uh, where you might know him from. He played Kung Lao in the 2013 Mortal Kombat Legacy TV series. Boom! Wow. The Mortal Kombat <laughs> TV series. Bonus oh, question. Yeah. 
I knew played... I'd seen him somewhere. I was like, <laughs> I knew I knew you. Is he like some like, <laughs> kung fu guy? I'm like, oh, he's doing his. He's definitely doing his own stunts. Yeah, that's definitely him. And then I just bonus couldn't... question. Yeah. Go on, Who man. played Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat Legacy TV show? Scott uh, no. Oh, uh, oh. You, you two were both definitely know him. I can't remember. He was again biggest in the late nineties. Oh, I can't remember. Incredibly square chin. Square chin nineties actor. Mm. Late nineties. Oh god, you have to give me more of a clue than that, mate. Uh, from from an incredibly wealthy family. Like one of those Holly, like very like there are a few Hollywood actors from like incredibly and by incredibly I mean like Jason Van Der Beek. Level. No, uh, but he does he does have a van in his name. Oh, Casper Van Dien. Oh, oh. yeah, Casper Van Dien. Isn't he in um? Oh crap! What else is he? Starship in? Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yeah, he's the main dude in Starship Troopers, isn't he? It's a good film. That. And Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah, also, Marco, Marco Dacascos was in Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, 1995. <laughs> there's actually, are you talking about the game? I thought there's only one, one, there's only one Wing Commander film, to be fair. Yeah, the game. <laughs> Starring Freddie Prince Jr. Maybe, yeah, maybe leave that there, eh? No, I think that might have been a different game. I think Freddie Prince Jr. was a few years afterwards. Well, no, no, I'm t- Freddie Prince Jr. was in the Wing Commander movie, Rob. Oh, I see, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. I think uh, this Wing Commander game may have been the one that had Mark Hamill in. I'm not entirely sure. I think that's free, top man. Okay. Anyway, uh, the roles of the two brothers are quite early. Jimmy is a serious older brother, while Billy is like the younger hothead. If they're twins, I mean, what? Are they talking minutes older? Well, I don't think they actually are twins in this. Yeah. They're twins in the game, but they're yeah, like yeah. Uh, Jimmy is like the older brother, and Billy is the younger brother. Like he seems, to, his character seems very much based on Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Yeah, hothead, a little bit flashy. Not doesn't does his own things, a bit crazy. Doesn't like yeah, him. like he even looks a little bit like him, kind of like cross between Tom Cruise and um, Daniel uh, out of Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, I agree actually. Yeah, and like I said, it's got that kind of Michael J. Fox cheeky grin on him, isn't he? Yeah, like they're kind of competing in this uh, kung fu thing in yeah. uh, underground car park, and like he loses the mo- the money because he fools around too much. He does. He does. He does. Simple as that. <laughs> At this point, uh, they cut to a newscast. Uh, the newsreaders are played by. In guest appearances, George Hamilton. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Ultra tan, seventies and eighties TV mainstay, George Hamilton. How did he not get skin cancer? And who's I don't. <laughs> the, the lady's also famous, but I've forgotten her name. We just we got uh, distracted by the weather guy, didn't we? <laughs> well, before oh, yeah. that, I, I, I have to say, Adrian, do you know what film George Hamilton was in? I just thought he was part of the the Beatles. (laughs) Jokes. That's a bad joke. No, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, His biggest, his most famous film was probably a film you're going to be watching this weekend. The Godfather 3. Oh, Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah, as as you know, I've been, (laughs) what's better, Double Dragon or Godfather 3? That's the question I want to ask. Yeah, like you were meant to watch it uh, last weekend, but uh, apparently you didn't get around to it. So it's going to be this weekend. It's going to be this weekend, yeah. (laughs) Uh, my favorite George Hamilton role, he was a psychotherapist who uses hypnosis to kill someone in an episode of Columbo. Oh. Yeah. And uh, the woman is played by uh, Vanna White, who's virtually unknown in the UK, but was the co-host of Wheel of Fortune in the US. Mm. Okay. Uh, Weatherman is played by Andy Dick, who, uh, like, you might know <laughs> this kind of a comic actor. Yeah, he's a really big video game fan, like, and... Mm. Uh, I believe he's done some Dungeons and Dragons thing. Am I wrong about that? 
I don't know. Adrian's done most of the research on Andy. <sighs> like, I, you know, he is a bit, big video game fan. Why haven't we interviewed him for the, <laughs> for the podcast? I don't even think we're allowed to talk about this, are we? This is this is no. Yeah, yeah. This is, it's like the Sonic. It's like Sonic Three music all over again. Yeah, yeah. this is like um, um, we'll have to just cast this to the sands of time. Maybe we'll tell the story years from now. Um, we'll save it for the Arcade Attack live show. But we have, yeah, we have, we 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 <laughs> yeah. have we have spoken to Mr. Dick actually. So we have we have had that that yeah. honor. So, <laughs> we have. but the stories we will leave for much another day. Um, just, he, just he's the smallcaster, yeah. and he's in it for what a minute, <laughs> two minutes. Yeah, he's like basically talking about the whole kind of newscast is like pure exposition. Uh, there was an earthquake a few years back, and it caused a tsunami, which means large parts of like Los Angeles are still underwater. Which looks this cool. Actually, I quite, mm. I quite like that 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 kind of angle, and you see like bits of the town are all flooded, and it's like a river mm. now, and I quite like that. I thought, yeah, I thought it was I, all right. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of have notes further down. We're going to get into the special effects, but actually, I think that is the best bit of the special effects. Um, mm, the anyway, second, like yeah. the, because of that, that means there's insane amounts of smog and black rain, which means people have to wear face masks and hard hats because, like, and there are kind of constant aftershocks. And um, like, I mean, they say this at this point, but I'm pretty sure there are no face masks or hard hats after this scene. In uh, the film, yeah, they don't bother with them afterwards. Lockdown yeah. was eased throughout the film, I think, Lockdown Rob. So everyone's like, eased. "You must wear face masks." And then all of a sudden, the government says, "It's been eased. It's, just, it's just, right. be right. <laughs> just, just be yeah. alert. You're right. Just be alert." It turns like there's a curfew after which gangs basically rule the streets at night as part yeah. of two with the cops. Like this took place about 18 months after the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles. Like uh, I don't know how familiar you two both are with those. Not no. really. Sorry. Basically, like, uh, kind of get into brief kind of history kind of sidebar. This probably be familiar a lot more to the American listeners. But early 90s, uh, there'd been like long-standing kind of, uh, kind of conflicts, tension between the LAPD and uh, kind of like residents in Los Angeles, especially in black areas. Like LAPD, very famously heavy-handed mm. at that point. And uh, they were caught on camera, like basically, some actually... This is before mobile phones. Someone like caught, caught them on camera with a camcorder, basically about six cops beating the hell out of like this kind of suspect with their truncheons on the ground, like this black suspect called Rodney King. Oh, that's and the Rodney this- King thing, isn't it? Sorry, yeah, I apologise for my for, for my ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming. Yeah, my, that's yeah. that's a horrible thing to remember, isn't it? Jesus. And it, yeah, and it kind of got released, and uh, like all the tr- cops kind of went to court. They were like kind of being charged with assault, and every single mm. one of them. Was like uh, the jury can like decided they were innocent, I know, and that kind of kicked off, kicked off about a week's worth of like extensive riots in Los Angeles. And basically, I think you can really kind of tell that looking at culture around that time, like LA Hollywood culture, it did feel like there was this kind of apocalyptic vibe to the mm. whole thing. Mm. Like the whole kind of like uh, I guess city was going to kind of collapse any time. Yeah. Obviously, this film comes out a couple of years later. You can still really feel like the kind of influence is very fresh oh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like Demolition Man, another kind of LA-based film that came out not that long Wait, afterwards. Sorry, Rob, before to interrupt, what was who is the person that got killed again? Was it Rodney King? Uh, Rodney King. Oh, he sorry. Killed. You he always just... hear it, like because people use it to make to make points, like oh, another Rodney King thing, or no, because you kind have of have you heard of yeah? And like, there's a film I watched a few years ago called Fruitvale Station uh, about 
Oscar Grant. Yeah, and I know it's a different story, but Michael B. Jordan plays. It's a. It's a. I, say it's, it, I mean, I, I can't say it's a great film, but it's a really captivating film. It's really worth watching. Um, have you seen it, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Coogler, I think, uh, directed that before he did Creed and. That's right. Yeah. Panther. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's a film I'd recommend watching. It's not easy watching it. I don't. You've not seen it, Dylan? Then. No, no, mate. Sorry. It's got it's got me thinking. But yes, it makes me really sad when I see stuff like that. But I think it's important. It's just a really to remember. sad thing, isn't it? It's just a sad aspect of life, I think. But yeah. yeah. But but anyway, like you can kind of feel it has that like poster and a rights vibe. Although interestingly enough, the gangs in the film are probably ninety percent white. Like there ba- there mm-hmm. barely any black characters in the film at all, yep. despite the fact it takes place in LA, which is very racially diverse they really have whitewashed the film a little bit yeah um yeah but maybe it was because of that maybe they just didn't want to touch that if this was all going on at the same time i just wonder if they purposely just like that was a that's what something they they decided on and it's not as if the it's not as if the gangs are that are that nasty anyway aren't they they're meant to be like it's a, it's, yeah, it's a kid's movie isn't it so they can't like the film i mean there's some dispute over the tone of the film but the film in general it feels very pg to me like yeah. billy and jimmy and satori are on the way back driving on the way back like from this uh, tournament and they go oh no it's curfew it's after dark <laughs> and they get ambushed and stopped by a punk gang called the mohawks who's led by someone in the game called a bobo Bo- a bobo <laughs> uh and like it's like the lees have this computer in their car which they use to instantly i went by instantly i mean in like a second look up the gang and get exact stats for Abobo. Like, even his weight, it's like a tenth of a kilo. It's very computer gamey. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is ludicrous, but it's very kind Mm. of computer gamey, isn't it? It is kind of quite strange, but it comes up, like, the gang come up and, like, they're basically charged them $50 to leave the car alone. 50 bucks, that's it. There you go. (laughs) I mean, I say it's PG. They hit later on, there are no guns in the city at all as part of the truce. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is just, it's so weird. And the gang, like, ask for ID and, and say they accept credit cards. So maybe, like, it is an official truce. <laughs> it's it's just, yeah, that, it's not pieced together the best, is it? Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's, got more, it's got more plot holes than a sieve, isn't it? But... <laughs> I mean, the computer effects are prehistoric, but I think, like, it was definitely the right decision to use an adapted street set for, like, the film rather than yeah. studio sets for the street scenes. Like, I mean... We, we reviewed Super Mario a while back, and that was very kind of studio-heavy in terms and of the looks, sets. Yeah, and it yeah. Lo- you know it's in a studio. That's the problem yeah, with that film. Yeah, like, I watched another terrible film recently called Theodore Rex. Mm. Oh, Mid-90s yeah. film, Whippy Goldberg is like a future cop who... Uh, Why are you watching kind of... bad bad movies, Rob? <laughs> you need to watch good movies. Well, I'm part of, like, this bad movie group in Melbourne. Or at least I was part of it, and they've got online now, so but I they can kick watch... You out. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I moved away. So <laughs> you I said to him, "I'm watching Double Dragon." It. Rob, you said, "I'm watching Double Dragon." So I said, "That is just too bad. You're out. <laughs> We're not scraping the barrel that much, mate." No, like the, I, we watched theater. In fact, I ended up watching it twice. Watched Theodore Rex recently, and Whoopi Goldberg is like this future cop who has like a talking dinosaurs, a new partner, and it's thirty-four million dollar film, which didn't even get released in the cinema. But Jesus. like, they also have. There's really artificial-looking big stage sets, and they look awful. But I actually <laughs> thought, like, the Double Dragon sets, for the most part, look pretty cool. Yeah. I'd say so. And, like, the Lee's car looks cool. Like, there's this huge, like, flamethrower nitro device on top. <laughs> yeah. Do yep. you not think it looked good? Yeah, it's the... Um, and, but they managed to get away with him because the car they were driving, you could power with rubbish. Do you see that a bit, That Rob? is madness, isn't it? They're putting all the <laughs> rubbish in the car to power it and... 
Jesus. If only a, a, a futuristic modern film could think of that idea, you know. It, lol, I know it's another Back to the Future thing, isn't it? But it's, yeah. um, but it it kind of works for the hilarity. Although, why doesn't it burn his arm off? There's at one point his arm is right over the top of it, and it's glowing. Wouldn't it have just burnt his arm off? These are tough guys. You not met? Have you not Jimmy met Billy and Jimmy, and Jimmy before? Yeah, I mean they they don't seem the, the toughest. I'll be honest with you. But, but uh, anyway, like they kind of dry, they're trying. To- try to get away from them because I think the Mohawks are trying to steal the amulet or the medallion yep. yeah. and the Mohawks chase them in their van and both vehicles crash and they kind of scrap for a fight mm-hmm. and Billy says like hey Broomhead we're going to sweep the streets with your skull <laughs> yeah. which I thought was a, a rad line I love that line you, Rob just before that there was a line when, it, when I think it was Billy whoever's driving or Jimmy I think it was, it was driving Jimmy um, and he wasn't doing a particularly good job and he said you must be dude you must suck at video games yeah, no, Meta. That, Meta. No, that was the Mohawks van. Oh, the right, Mohawks of course it van, was. Like, has a little screen in it. And, yeah. Yeah. And he said, doesn't he say, game over, ugly? Yeah. <laughs> Rob, it's, Dylan, it's Meta. Ugly. It's meta. Life ugly. and art, art and life. Yeah, because they're ugly yeah. and motherly. I forgot what he called. <laughs> what's his. What's homely? His nick, nick, homely, thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was something else, but I can't remember what it, it was. It was homely. You're right. I think it was. Okay. Was it. I want to say it's homely. Ugly oh, yeah. and homely. Okay, whatever. Anyway, like, yeah, they're about to get beaten up, weren't they, Rob? Yeah, uh, they're about like they kind of all crash and like the Mohawks are about to kind of take them, but they get ambushed by what looks like another gang. The Mohawks yeah. went off, and do you know what Billy says <laughs> when they went off? The Mo- what, do you know what he says when the Mohawks yeah. went off? Doesn't he say "Last of the Mohicans"? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like at that point, that time would have been a fairly recent reference, but yeah. you know. But no, actually, like it would have been a re. It was actually kind of date, dated even then. I mean, it was kind of like two years dated at that point, so fairly recent. But the film was set in two thousand seven, so like, it would be massively dated. It's I like, liked it, Rob. I liked it. They were teenagers. They would not know. Funny. Yeah, I mean, like I'm Adrian. I'm pretty sure at least one of your kids was old enough to have been like about 15 in 2000 no no they wouldn't be 15 2007 that would be ridiculous but like that that would just be you know what i mean like <laughs> it'd be dumb wouldn't it let's be honest yeah anyway it turns out the gang not this new gang are actually not a gang but they're a street community group i guess mm. do you know what they do you remember what they're called i just call them the camouflage gang because <laughs> they kind of turn there's something cool they, and then, they call the power core power and core, they wear they wear tie-dyed overalls, and I'm going to be honest, look soft as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a deception that they want you to think they're soft. Then bam, they're a, a bit right like they're a bit like a like, like a gang like a gang who just dance or something. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah, that's. I loved it how they were kind of camouflaged in the walls and they turned around like they're badasses. That was <laughs> yeah, the I know. Yeah, because their outfit is the is the graffiti <laughs> and they turn around and that's their thing. And like Alyssa Milano, you're like, oh, Alyssa, what are you doing? Love? Oh, bless her. Yeah, Alyssa Milano plays the leader of the gang called... Marion. Yes, Marion. Yeah. Like the... She's not actually been kidnapped in this film. Yeah. Uh, nor, nor, but, is like... she, nor is she at the beginning a love interest of either of the... Lee brothers. No, so like this is a very young Alyssa Milano. What was she best known for at this point in 1994? Chenny. <laughs> yes, Commando. Chenny. Chenny. <laughs> yes, well, actually, no, she was not. That was so obviously the role she'll always be known for, but no, she was not best known for that. She was, oh, she was uh, best some, known. For, she was in some series, wasn't she? I forgot what it was. She, 
she was Samantha and Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? It's like eight years, the co- like the sitcom with Tony Danza uh-huh. in uh, the lead role. Uh, she would go on to Melrose Place in the late nineties, Charmed shortly afterwards, and mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was watching with Becca. She's like, "Oh, that he's in, he's in Party of Five, she's in Charmed." I'm like, "What are you, what are you on about?" <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, I think most recently, I spent seven years of hosting Project One Way All Stars, which I'm sure all of us are deeply yeah. familiar with. I bought the box set, mate. I watch it religiously. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. What is it? It's a spin-off of Project Runway, which yeah. I think is some modelling reality show. Oh, golden bridge. Well, whatever floats your boat, I suppose. Yeah. So what do we think of as of Alyssa Milano as Marion in this film? She's All I right. know is I think you see her bottom more than her face. <laughs> I thought she was hot as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, was we didn't, oh, we didn't apologise for the swearsies. But we, we apologise for the swears. Um, but yeah, it, she, yeah, she's pretty hot in it. Okay, I mean, her... Yeah, go on. I don't. I don't know if the. I don't know if Adrian's comment was quite correct. I mean, yeah, there's certain certain scenes um, where that might ring true. But I think you. We'll see, get on to that. I think you see her face more. No, I'm only joking. I'm tongue <laughs> tongue in cheek. But yeah, like she generally, uh, she has this really awesome uh, kind of bleach blonde mm. crop in the. Ah, oh, it still looked amazing. Here's his question: Which film that came out the following year completely ripped off her look? I know, she, much... yeah, because the, I was mm. thinking, oh, hang on, that looks familiar. Uh, it, oh. 95. Oh. Two different characters. She's basically looks like a, a cross between Dade Murphy, a.k.a. Zero Cool, and Kate Libby, a.k.a. Acid Burn in Hackers. Hackers, oh. yes. She looks like the Hackers characters. She looks basically like a cross between the two of them yep. in this film. Yeah, I go along with that. And, uh, but it's anyway, I think it does suit yeah. her. Yeah, it does suit her, yeah. She's she's very pretty. She's very attractive. I think she looks gorgeous in this, and she is kind of cool. Anyway, Billy flirts with her for a bit, and uh, then like they get the brothers go home, and it cuts to Obobo telling like Kogashuko <laughs> oh, about bro. this whole kind of thing, and like they pull up the computer info on the brothers. Like I don't know, it feels like everyone has a computer file on them in the future. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, track and trace. Two thousand and seven, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, Shuko is, is really angry that they didn't get the medallion, so he forces like a bobo into some weird steroid machine that makes him into like a super strong mutant. Ugh. Oh god, Which, man. And it's... some of the worst some of the worst prosthetics that I've ever seen. Yeah, it feels like a, a really hackneyed top plot point at this point. Like we did Super Mario Brothers, it's part of that film. Mm-hmm. But also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, yeah. Secret of the Ooze, yeah. with Shredder and Batman and Robin with Bane. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it was a bit unnecessary. And and it says it makes you ten times stronger, Rob the Machine. Yeah. And ten ten times seems exaggerated. (laughs) But anyway, at this point we cut to another newscast saying, and at time of broadcast, this is hilarious. I say, I don't know what's going to happen between this being recorded and going out, but right now it's hilarious. They say like, Madonna's decided she's going to do a Greta Garbo and basically retreat from the public eye. Oh, if only. Mm-hmm. She's, we're meant to be in quarantine. She still kind of can't keep off social media and make an <laughs> exhibition of herself. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to offend any listeners now. I'm sure there's some fans of Madonna. I just can't stand the women. I'm sorry. Uh, some I'm a people, fan of Madonna. Ugh, I'm I a fan of Madonna. <laughs> she, I find her annoying. I find her personality grating. I find her, most of her songs... Dick, just over the overrated. I don't know if I'd go, I'd, I'd go for a pint with her now. I might have gone for a pint with her in the eighties, maybe early nineties. 
I wouldn't have done. I so when that. I read that headline, Dylan, Madonna wants to be alone, I was like, bring it on. Make that happen. <laughs> Leave us to it. Buzz off. <laughs> Buzz I gotta off. say, uh, and this is a very brief side point, but I'm definitely a fan of Madonna. I think her Eddie's 90s output is fantastic. Mm. Her 2000s output's all right. It's a little bit more patchy, but I think like she was really sound back then as well. She seems to have just been famous too long. I think this happens to people. They become, mm. they get famous for too long and they kind of, they get weird. I think that's maybe where she is now. themselves and it's just very odd. She's just, but yeah, make an exhibition of herself from social media these days because I guess, she, yes. yeah, just too much. <sighs> but anyway, like uh, also at this point in the hypothetical Double Dragon universe, Jerry Brown is vice president, which I would go into, but I'm pretty certain <laughs> no one cares. No one cares. No, Jerry Brown no, one, no one even refers to it that much. It's just, yeah, it's not. not. I mean, it, is an, it is interesting, but since I know you two don't know who Jerry Brown is, I'm pretty sure most of the listeners don't know either. Nope. I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> if you want Rob to tell, just email in or text us. I'll send it over to Rob and he can he'll send me the answer. <laughs> or, you know, just Google his name and uh, listen to uh, Dead Kennedys. Right. Just email Rob, it's fine. Anyway, uh, the news newscasters blame the Power Corps for blowing up a plane full of medical supplies. Oh, damn, damn Power Corps with their dancing <laughs> skills. They're dancing. They've blown up a plane. And like Marion is watching this uh, at home, like her dad's a cop, and she go, and like she goes, "Oh, maybe it was drugs that actually got blown up." Yeah. But how would she know? How would she know? Mm. Who is she? Oh, dad, 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 who's a cop? I like the dad character. He's almost a bit. He's a he's a big cop, isn't he? And he he means well, but he's got to do his job. And he says, "You got to stay at home." Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you got to stay at home. Leave it to the big men. Oh, we'll take control of this. <laughs> anyway, at this point, Shuko, a.k.a. Robert Patrick, comes to the Lee's dojo. And he used to know, like, Satori, back when he was called Geisman. Geisman? I mean, this is a good coincidence, isn't it? I mean, that, that is good that they used to know each other. Yeah. And he's taking Shuko's name because it was the name of an old Japanese warlord. Um, he says he's changed his name because no one wanted to party with Victor Geisman. Uh, I would, to be fair. Yeah, Although, I, could, uh, I don't know. No, he's got that cool hair, dude. You know, I'll party. Uh, the name, the name. Like you were Kugashuko. Oh yeah, I'll part, I'll party with Kugashuko, please. <laughs> like they kind of imply that they, the two of them used to be lovers back in the day. But like, uh, also, it turns out he's also the richest man in the world. But the film doesn't <laughs> tell you that until like right near the end. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> yes. I mean, but then he starts like signing these. Well, they. Um, oh no, I won't give away the plot point. Sorry. Go yeah, but maybe he's a philanthropist and he just doesn't like to sort of boast about his wealth too much, you know? Yeah, if there's one word I would describe, I've used to describe Robert Patrick's character in this film, it would be humble. <laughs> anyway, like the brothers who it's, seem to live in a disused theatre, yep. like one away from like uh, Shuka's henchman and woman, and like Linda Lash, and, but while like Shuka slash Geisman, I'm just going to call him Geisman uh, from now on, yeah, changed into a shadow. It does. And, I like uh, the shadow. It, it looked awful, but I mean, it was yeah, it was like, you know, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, like, they, they get caught up by a bobo who looks like. Oh, yeah, he looks like a pudding, basically. Now He looks it? across between Sloth from the Goonies and Fat Bastard from Austin Powers. Yeah. Do you know what? I've, I've got a. I have my own cross here, but it's completely different. It's so interesting. <laughs> uh, I, my notes say he looks across between Bane and Batman and Robin. <laughs> like the really crap like version of Bane that only goes <laughs> uh, crossed with like Emil from Robocop after he gets a toxic waste splash yes, on him. Yes, oh. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he basically yeah. had a toxic splash on him. 
And then, like, yeah. uh, Geisman kind of possesses Satori to try and, like, trick the brothers uh, to get them to hand over the other half of the medallion, but it doesn't work. No. No. Anyway, like, they set, like, they just the dojo on fire, and uh, Satori dies holding off, like, Geisman, and, like, who then calls a meeting of all the gangs. They do actually it's... kill her off. I mean, that's pretty brutal. Oh, no, it's quite sad, actually, yeah. Mm. And actually, like, there's a bit, Rob, you miss. I think they, they drop loads of marbles or they pin, I think, bubble gums. It was like home alone. It's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it looks a bit like, anyway, they call me, he calls me to the gangs. It looks a bit like that bit at the start of the Warriors. Yes, yes. The Warriors. I've got that down as well, yeah. Yep. But like, it's taking place in the video for ACDC's Thunderstruck, which I don't know if anyone's seen. No. Some of the viewers, some of the listeners would have, but cracking video. It looks like a bit like that. Like, you, Rob, you, you missed a bit before. I like the bit, actually, when he played the piano as a shadow ghost. you remember that bit? No. Yeah, he was like a shadow, and he kind of put his fingers over the, the piano. and Oh, yeah, Pretty he just cool. kind of like fleetingly like plays the piano on his way somewhere else, doesn't he? I remember that scene. I thought that was... I thought that was pretty cool. cool. Come on, man. My, my favorite... Who's your favorite gang in the gangs? Because I reckon he's... I'm going to get on to the gangs okay. <laughs> very shortly. Okay. In the next... Because they do actually feature extensively in the scene coming up. Because... But like, uh, yeah, all these gangs, like uh, one of them goes like, we don't staff this to the sky. But then like Geisman turns into his shadow and like he strangles him. <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone, all the gangs go, yeah, OK, we'll follow you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the power core pulling out a Bobo out of the theater fire wreckage. He's still alive. Yes. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, we needed more Bobo in the film. <laughs> So at this point, like the gangs are like, uh, they're all like, we're after like the Lee brothers and they catch up with them at what happened. looks like a scrap metal dump. Mm. And there's like a kind of cool fight. Like most of them look even stupider than the baseball furies <laughs> from the Warriors. Like I've got here, one gang is made up of postmen, poster workers. Another, another, like all the gang members are literally just like we Jimmy cranky. <laughs> I feel like they were really scratching around for inspiration. I, with the there was also a gang that were mimes, weren't they? I think they're just like mimes doing like you know mime things. No, that, that's, isn't that the Warriors? Oh, is I don't there, know. Is there also a mime gang in this? Who like, knows? Anyway, yeah, if you're delivery listen- men were the worst. If you're listening to this and you don't know who Jimmy Cranky is, again, like Google it very quickly. But it's that's definitely what one of the gangs. It's definitely Jimmy Cranky and not Nicola Sturgeon. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Boris. <laughs> anyway, uh, like the Lee brothers steal a jet ski slash speedboat, which leads to a jet ski chase. And at this point, there's a really decent visual gag, which actually makes no logical Wait, sense. No, Rob, uh, you missed it. What you know? What before they stole the before they stole the speedboat thing, they looked at this really weird motorbike. Do you see that? It looked like a Meccano motorbike with like almost like mixed with Tron. I was like, this is gonna be badass. They're like, oh, we can't get this chained up. <laughs> Just use the boat. Who made that prop? They probably made the prop. They couldn't actually get it to work in the film, <laughs> know, so they had to I change know. the script. I know. But anyway, like, there's a great visual gag, which, even though it makes no logical, no logical sense, is really cool. Like, they kind of, they're on these jet skis going across the river, and they go past the Hollywood sign, which right now is just above river height. Oh, yeah. I just thought it looked great. Like, just a great idea, even yeah, though, again... They were just like on land, like just down the road. That makes, and that's like halfway up a hill. Anyway, but you brought up one one last thing. Just backtrack a little bit. When they're doing that big fight, a delivery man fell from the air. He sort of he he threw himself off the ceiling, off the top floor, and landed on the brother and said, "Airmail." Yeah, I remember that. I didn't put the notes, but I do remember that. Sorry, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, like they get away again. By this point, the brothers are in their famous red and blue outfits, like in the games. And they go and like find the power core to get help. But like, unfortunately, half the power core seem to be children. And like the Lees can't still can't get the medallion to work. They're half the medallion. The power half the medallion. Anyway, like the power core use skateboards to create a diversion at Geisman's headquarters. It's like corporate headquarters where he hangs out. Uh, meanwhile, like the Lee brothers and Marion are getting through a vent at the side. At this point, like there is a disgustingly sexist and not at all amazing shot where like the camera literally zooms in on Marion's ass for a close up as they're going through the vent. I think that's and like what, the Lees yeah, look at each other and they're like, Whoa! <laughs> it was a little bit. It was, it was a bit too much, really. And it's like, supposed it's to be like, a kids' film, isn't it? Let's be honest. It, you know, it is like again, disgustingly sexist, no, all incredible. But like, the camera literally zooms in on her ass, which, uh, yeah, it's it's a nice art. It's a nice bomb. And, <laughs> nice uh, and but when she but when she goes to the vent, like, the leaves like look at each other and they go, and they all both scramble to try and get an afterwards. <laughs> yeah, the first one in. <laughs> I know. And I think there's another similar joke a bit further along in, in the film as well. I think they do it twice. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at this, she's also wearing a very tight-fitting top and hot pants. Yeah. Like, which leads me to the question, which, how many times did the two of you rewind the film at this point? I was watching my family, thank you very much, my, my kids and my wife. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, wife, my wife refused to watch the film. So I watched it by myself Ooh. in the dark. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. Re- I didn't rewind it either. Yeah, <laughs> moving on quickly. <laughs> you... uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Have you not spoke about bo- a bobo and spinach yet? Have I gone too far ahead? Oh, That's later on. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, my bad. Um, I think it's later on. Like, anyway, Mar- let me uh, hang on a sec. I'm just going to check my notes. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, because I had a feeling it was when they, they kind of met in that um, the skate rink kind of area. No, uh, I think you're right. I might have actually missed that out. Basically, like, uh, like the power core have a bobo, and they decide to torture him by feeding him healthy food or spinach or something. <laughs> Almost like, oh, it's like, just no more spinach. You know that, that scene in Simpsons where the home has got the unlimited donuts? It's like that. Spin- <laughs> I actually, like, whilst I was watching it, I messaged, I messaged Adrian and Keith, and I was like, why are they feeding, feeding spinach to a bobo? Like, <laughs> do you feel sorry for him, Dylan? I was like, this is That's so what, yeah. surreal. This is like, <laughs> how? Why am I even watching this? But yeah. Poor anyway, guy. like, uh, Marion's plan at this point is to upload false info into the Geisman mainframe so the gangs will mutiny against him. But the Lees completely ignore that because you know she's a woman who wants to listen to a woman. Oh, apparently, they're so sexist. And, uh, they call through the vents to find, like, Geisman, and he's in his office trying to bribe a policeman. Who's Marion's father? That's a weird coincidence. Like, as I think we implied earlier, he doesn't know she's in the power core, uh, or that she's rocking that sweet blonde uh, pixie cut. That's true. But, like, they're directly above his office. And Billy's plan involves lowering a necklace or something Ugh. to pull up the other half of the medallion from the desk. <laughs> Jesus. And they fail miserably at it. <laughs> <laughs> the worst bit of that scene is when the blonde lady was is it the lash. she just looked up she was she must be i don't want to sound rude to her but she isn't the smartest because she she looked up going uh and she was literally looking for about it seemed like like half like a minute obviously less but like come on what are you doing you, you've seen something alert your boss adrian like i'm gonna disagree with you on this she does see it go back up and she grabs this big ass like naginata from the wall that's like a 
one of those big Japanese spear swords oh, and literally start stabbing up through the ceiling vents oh, while God, Dyson is like Stabby in a conversation with the cop. Oh. And like she, oh. everyone falls through the ceiling into the office, but once again, they all escape. In this case, down a lift shaft. And like uh, Marion's dad, the cop fights Linda Lash, but you know, because he's part of the notoriously gunshot LAPD, he isn't carrying a gun. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he does manage to win the fight by tipping a statue on her. That's how you do it. There's always a statue handy. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like the Lees have found what looks like a morgue full of undead mutants who are maybe clones of a, a Bobo. I wasn't really sure. Oh, yeah, this is yeah, the thing with the dead undead things. Is they're um, they're guinea pigs, aren't they? They're like the failed. Uh, you know, what's that being alien with Bobos? You see those dodgy aliens in those tubes. They just failed at Bobos, and they're not. They don't really come back from life. I think they get repossessed by. Um, Geisman, yeah. Geisman, whatever his name He's is. He's like yeah. kind of possessing them in between going shadow and taking over machines. Mm. But like, uh, Billy and Marion escape, but they can't save Jimmy. Like, he was getting like bear hugged by kind of one of these Geisman like possessed zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Geisman tells Jimmy he knew their father back in the day and he killed them. Yes. Like, like, they didn't know that until then. Yeah. The yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, anyway, uh, the gangs all break into Power Core HQ. And, uh, like, start fighting all the power core. And the fight's probably about 50-50 until Jimmy comes in. He's now un- under, like... Is he under Geisman's mental control, or is he, was he possessed? He is well, possessed no, Rob, by Geisman now. Sorry, sorry to backtrack. You forget the scene. It's just before this. They're in an, ar- an arcade, weren't they? They are fighting for an arcade. And... No, this, that's coming up in a minute. Oh, yeah, sorry, Thingy Rob, Bob beats Thingy Bob up, and he falls on the arcade machine, doesn't he? Sorry, Rob. Sorry. Yeah, like, it's... Probably about 50 50 at this point. Like, Jimmy comes in, he's being possessed by guys, he starts kicking Billy's ass, and the fight kind of goes into an arcade, and the possessed Jimmy so kicks in the screen of a Double Dragon arcade game. Yeah. Meta. Meta. Yeah. It's cool. It's a nice touch. I like, didn't like uh, how anyway. they smashed up those other arcade machines, though. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's like sacrilege to us now. It's like, <laughs> we can't watch that. Like, stop smashing them up. They yeah, need yeah. to be restored. Yeah. Uh, anyway, like, Billy gets frustrated at this point. Because like, he can't get the medallion to work. He gets frustrated. He throws, tries to throw the medallion away. That's ridiculous. Literally at this point, considering like the, the guy was trying to get the other half of the medallion, is literally the dumbest thing he could possibly do. <laughs> I know. I just I, when I was watching that, I think, come on, mate, you're not that stupid. He is. But, I don't. I just don't. I just. I, I don't know. The whole <laughs> Billy. Oh, the Billy. Billy's thing just a bit just, dumb, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but like uh, when he tries to throw it away, like it goes into the air and then it lights up. And goes back to him and fills it with, with power. Apparently, that was all you need to do, like try and get rid of it. Which, okay, you try yeah. and get rid of it. Okay, it's quite a, you know, it's odd, isn't it? We li- we've lost Rob's audio. We lost. Oh no, not Rob's. Oh god, what is Rob? So I'm just. I wanted to pause it for a sec, so I could. I just need to go to the bathroom quickly. Okay, let's pause now. <laughs> Do I leave this bit in or do I cut it out? Rob's going for a pee-pee. Adrian, have you gone now? Adrian's gone as well. Oh, hello, Dylan. Oh, Adrian's back. Thank God. I'm back. You alright? Yeah. How you feeling? I was like, oh man, Adrian's gone. 
A bobo. A bobo, man. All the spinach, dude. Serious. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, what a day. What a day, mate. What a day of lovely <laughs> podcasting. And Double dragon, mate. Double dragon. <laughs> the movie. And... Do you know, I'm gonna, I, actually, I've quite enjoyed it in a funny way. It's so stupid. If we save it for the pod, obviously, duh. But right. I really, I really, it was really a struggle for me to watch it. I was like, <laughs> you almost gave up. I almost really That's, gave up. It was that spinach thing, wasn't it, Dylan? The sp- a bobo spinach thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, yep. yeah. it was crazy. It was crazy. Oh, man. What are you doing tomorrow? Anything good? Um, what are we doing tomorrow? Saturday tomorrow. Saturday tomorrow. Saturday. We've not got anything planned, I think, actually. Are you going to Lloyd Park on Sunday, then? Yeah, you up for it? Yeah, what are you doing? What kind of thing? Just standing two me- more than two metres Like kicking the you. football to each other sort of thing. I don't even think we're allowed to do that, are we? We just have to kind mm-hmm. of shout at each other and go, Hey, how are you doing over there? Rand- <laughs> random person I've met, I've seen that I know in the park. That, yeah. This is this is a strange. You guys are both wearing t-shirts that look the same. They cool. say arcade attack on them. <laughs> Why are you all wearing the same t-shirt? That's odd. Who's <laughs> <laughs> is, is Keith coming? In? What's that, what's the plan? I think Keith was up for it, but I don't yeah. know. I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure he's that desperate to see anyone. But actually, when when we did our little visits the other day, it was really good seeing you guys. It was. Did you see Keith as well? It was quite good for the old soul. No, so no one's visited Keith. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. because his job involves driving around Croydon anyway, mm. I figured even if we don't see him Sunday, we could just get him to stop off at the park on his working day when he's driving to somewhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then just see know. him that way. But I don't know if he's going to bring Nikki in that. We'll have to see. But it's just Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Are you two going to be on the uh, call tomorrow? Yeah, should be. Yeah, we can should discuss, be. We can discuss it then and social distancing yeah i mean so yeah sorry about having to kind of cut off then just like i've been gagging right. for a slash for like yeah. like probably about 20 minutes <laughs> um yeah and <clears throat> please please don't stitch me up by like including that bit in the finished no, recording of course i'm not um what we'll <laughs> we do wouldn't. then um let's just all be silent for a bit and then rob you just carry on and then it'll be easier for me to see on the sound wave and then i can just chop it out all right so let's all be quiet and then Rob will carry on in about five seconds. So basically, Billy gets like the medallion back, and he at this point he's basically invulnerable, and he starts winning the fight easily. Like he knocks the medallion, <laughs> and like he knocks the uh, medallion off, like mm. off Jimmy. But in all the confusion, like somehow Geisman and Sashuko manages to get both halves. Like, man, Billy is all, it's awful. But, like, uh, he kind of gets both halves and, like, turns into a double orc ninja. Like, basically, like, he kind of splits into two, and they're both, like, orc ninjas. Oh. But ama- somehow, amazingly, the orc ninjas still can't beat the brothers at Kung Fu. But I know, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's meant to be the ultimate power of the medallion. It's a turn yeah, but you forget, Dylan, 
they were training the two brothers were training for that special move where they kind of sort of flip each other oh didn't the they? flippy that... spinny flippy thing yeah or okay. aliens weren't expecting that move were they that's why <sighs> I mean that's going to defeat anything isn't it really <laughs> you know nuclear also... bomb no do the f- do the spinny <laughs> kicky thing <laughs> also at this point there's maybe my favourite line in the entire movie uh, it's a terrific line where, like, uh, one of the Orc Ninjas, like, they're both guys, like, one of the Orc Ninjas says to, like, Billy, like, you're weak like your father, who obviously he killed. And his reply is, you're ugly like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such yeah. a kid's movie, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Boom. <clears throat> anyway, like, uh, Abobo is still uh, back at this point, like, in the Power Core headquarters, like, but he's caught a glimpse, uh, like, of himself in the mirror, and, like, he's like, oh, what have you done to me? And... Mm. He's like super pissed. How he tells he Marion just realized what they've <laughs> done to him. <laughs> Can he not like, see he... his own arms? <laughs> and like, and he, t- he tells Marion to turn the generators on so they can get the like the lights back. Yeah, because obviously, like uh, I say, obviously, I only realized this after it happened. But like, has got glaucoma or something, can he? He's a shadow ninja without like. And so like there's more light he can't really kind of work as well in shadow uh, I, obviously it doesn't really make much sense because you need light in order to get shadow but anyway um <laughs> like they kind of turn the lights back and, like the orcan just go like they're really weak now and uh they kick his ass because he's still bad at martial arts even like you know with the medallion's power and like so he loses the medallion like they the brothers put it together and they get these, I've got to say, simply fabulous red and blue ninja outfits. Yeah. Oh, my words. The like, quote. Like the Have ones. You got, oh. Yeah, I think. Like I haven't got it down. What Double, is the quote? Double Dragon 3. I mean, it's, yeah. Mm. I've got mark. the quote within the tweets. So I'll save it. But it's something about, you know, why have you got the blue suit? Like, oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. And then the ghost of, like, <laughs> uh, Satori appears and tells, like, them they have to guard the Double Dragons. They like humiliate like Geisman for a bit, and then um, they possess him and get him to give himself up to the police and donate 129 million dollars <laughs> to the police department. Before yeah. they did that, Rob, they made him hit himself. Why hitting yourself? Why hitting yourself? Why? That's so nine. Oh my word! It's so nineties. It's brilliant. But like you know, I'm not like I'm not surely how it works if you kind of give yourself up to the police and then donate 100 and whatever million dollars to the police department. Oh. Doesn't really feel like it's going to bode well for the trial, but uh, yeah, bribing, okay. Yeah, bribing the police. Uh, okay, great. And, and like at this point, the police have like said, oh no, we can't possibly go out at night. Have decided they aren't cowards after all and come out at night to arrest him. Yeah. They do. They, they stand up, the whole crew, like we're going to take back the streets. We're not afraid do you of what, darkness anymore. Do you remember what Geisman's last line of the film is, Adrian? Because uh, it's a bit like Rocky Five. No, I think I haven't got that down. You think I'm bad? Wait till you meet my lawyers. <laughs> oh, blimey! Uh... Yeah, that's so Rocky Five. Jesus. And then the farm coming with all together now. No, oh. not quite. Uh, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. The brothers, the dragons, have a retooled dragon wagon. <laughs> name their car. They fixed oh, yes, it. Of course. Yeah, Marion's the, fixed the it. And also, yeah, the power. And cool. also, Abobo wants to be friends with them. And like, I know, full circle. All, They'll get into the car and they'll speed off to the distance to all together now by the farm. But they let a Bobo drive, which is very stupid. And then he drives uh, them into a wall or something. I don't know. He doesn't. He drives them into the sunset, <laughs> the horizon. It's but... like a, a character arc film, isn't it? Where you see the rise and fall and the rise again of a Bobo. I think that's the whole point I of the think film. It's really. They should rename it Rise of a Bobo. <laughs> yeah. Surely that's a sequel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Return a Bobo's of a Bobo. Revenge. A Bobo's Revenge. <laughs> anyway, I was trying to find kind of 
good trivia on Double Dragon because usually, like you, you know, these films there's always kind of like some juicy backstage stuff. Mm. But uh, the best I could find was that Scott Wolf and Alyssa Milano apparently had a lot of fun in this film because they fell in love in real life on oh, set. Okay, they eventually moved in together and uh, were going to get engaged, but uh, it didn't really last till marriage, unfortunately. Oh, um, do you know who plays Alyssa Milano's brother in the film? Her little brother. He was her like little a brother. Really annoying, isn't it? Her actual brother. Yes, it's a real-life brother. Oh, wow. That's cool. Like, in general, I think getting younger siblings or children are the main actors to play relatives and everybody works out in films, so it does it, Adrian. Mm. <laughs> well. Half and half, eh? Half and half. Yeah, half and half, half and no, half. No, there's no half and half. Like, every kind of... Every Sloan film with a, one of his children in is awful. Oh, come on. No, don't be rude. Daylight's good and Rocky Five's Rocky good. Rocky Five is watchable. Is yeah. his kid in, isn't his kid in over the top as well? No, that's not his kid. That's another kid. Okay. Yeah. Actually, technically, around. his first son was in Rocky One. Um, the the babe, uh, the baby. Rocky Two. Rocky, Rocky Two. Rocky Two. Sorry. Okay. I should know. Should know. Yeah, that's his first son. Anyway, uh, this film was released in November 1994. That was in the USA. Anyway, it was a bit of a staggered release everywhere else, which is not a sign of financial success. No. IMDb says it took more than a year to come out in the UK Ooh. and didn't make it to Japan until June 1999. What? Nearly yeah. five years afterwards. That's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> competition, competition in the box office at this point, uh, late 1994, was mainly Stargate, which had come out the week before. Uh, I saw that in cinema. I don't know about you guys. Ugh, I didn't like Stargate. But I, didn't you? I, yeah. I quite like Stargate, to be fair. I thought it was all right. I think TV show seems to be a really kind of big cult theme more than the film. But anyway, Stargate came out the week before. The Coppola De Niro Frankenstein it was released the same week as a kind of um, Double Dragon. Mm. Interview with the Vampire and the Santa Claus came out the following weekend and Star Trek Generations the week after. Mm. It's like, you know, some big films. Having said that, there were a lot of bombs around this time too. Mm-hmm. Notably, Exit to Eden, a comedy where Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell are like Cops who go undercover on the BDSM slash fetish scene. I mean, oh, Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell doesn't really fill me with much. <laughs> well, we like Dan Aykroyd, don't even we? Like they might be dressed as in leather PVC like <laughs> BDSM outfits. That... Yeah, I mean that that is appealing. I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> no, even with that, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a yeah. bit of a push. Yeah, um, also, but not the only flop around then. Uh, there was also the Ron Beatty and F. Benning remake of the Lo- of uh, Love Affair. The old, yeah, like, 30s film. Big budget, didn't make any money, much like all of Ron Beatty's films from the 90s onwards. Uh, and also uh, The War, which is a Kevin Costner slash Elijah Wood Vietnam veteran movie, which I'd never heard of before no. doing research for this. Mm. So, yeah, that was the uh, kind of environment Double Dragon got released into. Despite Peter Gould's incredibly dated IMDb pro like biography labeling Double Dragon a $20 million film, general consensus puts it at a $7.8 million budget. Ah. Uh, do you want to guess how much money it made at the box office? $7.9 million. Yeah, or double, it doubled it like Double Dragon would. Uh, very optimistic. It actually made $2.4 million. Oh. <clears throat> Critical reception? Not good. I think it's got a really bad Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yes, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has, gives it a 13% score. 13%. Though 20, but a 26% <laughs> audience score, which do, is a double a double dragon kind of thing. <laughs> yes! Double dragon. We got there eventually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was critically mauled. Um, mm. I seem to remember when, over Christmas when we were talking about... Uh, 
Oh, yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't say this at the beginning. The reason we're doing Double Dragon is it was part of the, the Christmas kind of gift-giving thing. I and gave we it, actually yeah. asked people on Twitter, which of these like films, which included, I believe, both Tekken yeah. and... Uh, House of the Dead, wasn't it, for Keith? I think, was it? I can't remember now. No, um, and uh, Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, we asked... Uh, yeah, I think Final like Fantasy maybe... because Adrian got me Final Fantasy, didn't he? Think, <laughs> yeah. it was, and it was whoever tweeted us first, wasn't it? Or yeah. whoever messaged us first. Who was yes, it that messaged dra- us about this? I there was someone, and it, I can't remember the name. Oh, Sorry, if you listen, they're probably listening to it right now. But thanks like, to whoever it was. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are the anonymous hero who uh, was responsible <laughs> for this review. But uh, yeah, when we were talking about this. Um, I can't remember whether it was that episode or not, but basically Double Dragon was one of, at the time, four films in IMDb's bottom 100. Wow. People know there's an IMDb top 250. They do not know there's a bottom 100. Well, some people do, obviously. Mm. But at the time, there were uh, four video game films that were in the bottom 100, one of which was Double Dragon. But it's no longer there, Like despite oh. having a rating of 3.8 out of 10. I suspect because there's fewer reviews than many of the other films on the list. Like It is weighted. Mm-hmm. It's like the more bad reviews something gets, like the more it's kind of the more lower down it is. Having said that, House of the Dead, I believe, is in the top ten. <laughs> that's bottom. next, then, Rob. That's next, then, mate. You, we, we're finally pushed Dylan to the other side. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, just no, please. <laughs> you, you, you almost gave up on it, Dylan, already with a bobo. You can't. Do it. A bobo. I found. Are we going to talk about our sort of general well, feelings about no, the but, film soon? Or? Uh, oh, yes. Well, before we do that, Adrian, I believe, has some Twitter input about this. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Well, Rob, are you going to talk about the the game quickly? Should we, should we do that? Um, I didn't really do much research on this, but there was, much like Street Fighter, there was a video game adaptation of the movie of the game. It <laughs> came out on the Neo Geo. It was like yeah. Street Fighter, a head-to-head beat-em-up. And like Street Fighter, it was not too successful or critically appreciated. I've, yeah, I've got it up here. It's literally just called Double Dragon, which is a bit confusing. But it was released on the Neo Geo. And I think it's later went to the Neo Geo CD and PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And it was made by Technos, uh, based on a Night Night 4 film. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's, very, it's a typical one-on-one fighting game. But the, the big difference is there's not specific punch and kick buttons. Um, apparently where you kind of move and how you sort of walk and so forth and you press a button... That will determine if it's a punch or a kick. Weird, eh? Mm, uh, sounds like it's completely unworkable. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, the characters and settings are inspired by the Double Dragon movie, which feature prominently in the game's intro. This includes uh, the submerged Hollywood sign, as we said, as we spoke about. There's also the dragon wagon in Billy's stage, and there's also the Lee's brothers' transformation technique. We'll talk about that later on. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a little homages to the to the movie, but the reviews were negative overall there you go yes yeah i mean i have to say like uh i in re- like in prep for this i did to say I had low expectations would be an understatement i was just hoping i could get through the full kind of thing in one sitting but actually i i found it surprisingly enjoyable like it is there's no way it deserves to be anywhere near the bottom 100 on imdb and i'll say this this is the fourth film we've reviewed on this is by far the second best film we've covered. Oh, but, I mean, I, I would put it obviously below Sonic because that was legit a good film, but definitely far above both street fighter and super Mario brothers. Mm. Mm. Do you know what, Rob? I, I, I let didn't have his say in a minute. 
I actually enjoyed the film as well, surprisingly. I, I went in there saying, look, guys, I, sp- I spoke to my family. I've got a focus group. We've got a mission to do. We've got to watch this film. And I'm like, oh, Dad, do we have to? This is going to be a, such a nice film. I'm like, it is. It's going to be rubbish, but good. And I was like, please be rubbish, but good. And it was rubbish, but good. And I felt <laughs> it was quite enjoyable in a silly way. It wasn't going to win any Oscars. It's not going to, uh, you know, give you any extra brain cells. But you know what? It was surprisingly enjoyable and fun and it didn't take itself too seriously and i know there's a debate whether it, whether it's too childish or it should have been a bit dark and grittier but in a funny way i think they pitched it kind of right and it was kind of like a pantomime over the top silly film and sometimes you're in the mood for that so yeah you know what it was stupid but good i don't think i was in the mood for it i'm going to put it down to that <laughs> because it just i found it really hard going i mean there were, you know, there's, there's bits of light relief in it. It's kind of kept me going to the end and the fact that I had to watch it for the pod. But I think voluntarily, if I'd have said, ooh, Double Dragon, I quite like the game. I'll give this a watch. I probably turned it off after about 10 minutes. I found it, I found it really, mm. really hard going. It's just nothing. It's just, it's so fragmented. And I just, like, I have to persist with this. And it's just, oh my God, Scott Wolf is really like, <laughs> Um, enthusiastic. He's just too enthusiastic for me. Just, just tone it down a little bit, mate. Come, just come on. Just Do you know what, Dylan? Unfortunately, I see a bit of Scott Wolf in me, a little bit uh, hyperactive sometimes. Oh, mate, you've got nothing on him. I'm sorry. He's just on another planet in this, in the, on this movie. In this movie, he must have had about ten Red Bulls. I don't even think Red Bull was a thing then, was it? Ninety four might have been. Um, no, I think it was more Jolt Cola at that point. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of jolts. Oh my god. Um, I just found it hard, but you know, the, I like that. That's where you went. The jolts, nothing drug related or illegal. <laughs> hey, hey, no, hey, we like Scott Wolf. You know, no we're one, defending. No one who ever acted in a child's movie was on mm-hmm. drugs, right? Kids, yes, kids. Scott listening? Wolf would be howling if he could hear you. Oh, oh. Matthew Fox. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> it was. Yeah, I found it really hard going. I think. I think. It has enough interesting bits about it where it might it might warrant an arcade attack remake, but I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's about as that's about as praise praiseworthy as I can get. Who was your favourite actor, Robert, Robert Patrick? Then was he your favourite? Yeah, Robert yeah, Patrick's thought... easily the best thing in it. I mean, Elisa Milano's good. I think mm-hmm. she's not given she's the best lines. She's not given the best lines. They've re- they've really stitched her up as far as the script goes. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, she does, she does, you can tell that she's Hollywood and like the others are like TV, aren't they? Apart from Robert Patrick. I felt like the acting was generally right. Like, mm. I mean, I'm just going to go like through what I thought of the film. I thought the acting was generally right. Uh, there are some great lines and the plot holes, there are obviously plot holes. Like, why didn't Satori tell them how to use the power medallion? Yep. Or like, didn't she know? Mm-hmm. And like, I wasn't really a fan of the she fart joke. She clearly would have known. I just, yeah, I don't know. And there was like this lot, this awful fart joke with like a bobo oh. in the power core, that scene, which I wasn't a fan of. No, <laughs> like, fart jokes, yeah. Fart jokes, <laughs> gratuitous things. But like, Robert Patrick was good. I thought Mark uh, de Casas, like, de Cascos? De, anyway, de Cas- he can do Mark. Cascos. Yeah. De Cascos, yeah. He can do martial arts pretty well, and even yeah. though Scott Wolf plainly can't fight, I felt like the cutting around that was like, even though it was kind of apparent, it wasn't obtrusively obvious. Yeah, I felt like the chemistry between the two brothers was pretty good. Like they Relatively worked kind of well together. Yes. Like um, special effects, obviously low budget film, it was pretty ropey. But having said that, 
I thought like the ba- the backgrounds of the ruined LA, one of which like has Hollywood Boulevard underwater, and the others like focusing on the collapsed for like Capitol Records building. I thought those looked genuinely terrific. I think some of the like, imagery is really interesting. That's why I say I think there's enough sort of interesting bits about it to you know to to expand on. Mm. I mean, we kind of I found it really hard, man. We talked about the jet ski scene, like the jet ski chase scene, and I <laughs> yeah. thought like the effects in that were a lot better than in the surfing scene in Escape from LA, which literally came out two years later and had mm. the much bigger budget. Mm. And like, and the explosion that caps off that scene looks awesome too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, immense explosion. Apparently, used seven hundred gallons of gasoline, two hundred <laughs> gallons of alcohol. And uh, they filmed this in, like, Ohio. It caused local residents to make more than 200 phone calls to local emergency <laughs> services in 10 minutes. Despite there being widespread warnings in the news the day before, like, local news, that it was going to happen. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, the effects are dodgy, but it really feels like maybe two or three, maybe even five, like $5 million extra would have made a big difference mm. in terms of, like, how the, like those kind of, like, ghost effects and the computer stuff and maybe give, like, a script a final polish. I felt like that would have made a big difference. Mm. Do you know what, Robin Dylan? I don't know if I told you this, but I've seen this film before. I've watched it when I was quite young. But I couldn't have been that young, but I actually saw it when I was um, at my Uncle Victor's house and we went to this news agents. And you know how some dodgy news agents that some of them used to rent out VHSs? Oh, remember yeah. those? Oh, yeah. And they never had the best. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're not going to get the, the top ga- top uh, movies. So I went to there with my, my uncle once and we wanted a film that all me and my two brothers could watch. And my younger brother, you know, Chris was a bit younger then. So we couldn't watch anything too inappropriate, even though by then I've seen Robocop and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what's this film? A Double Dragon. And I was, I'm a big fan of the, the series back then, the games. So we, we got it. Never heard it before, Truth. Never knew it was actually released as a film. Um, and I sat down. We watched it at my Uncle Victor's house. And I was like, yeah, this is a bit silly. <laughs> and as kind of slight, you know, sort of middle, sort of 13, 14 year old, I don't know how I was. It was like, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, I'm better than this. I've watched Terminator by now. But looking, <laughs> you know, so as a sort of teenager, I was like, yeah, this is not cool enough for me. They're trying too hard to be cool. But now, I'm like, yeah, maybe I've just not got, I've got really uncalled all of a sudden. There you go. I think like for me, kind of, apart from like, I guess the kind of budgetary stuff, a big issue, and I think we've kind of, we've kind of circled around this a bit, is that uh, the tone of the film is a bit like, actually quite similar to both Super Mario and Street Fighter. The like, mm-hmm. tone of the film is a bit all over the place. I think much like those kind of films, there was not a kind of cohesive, Consistentistic vision behind there. No, you can just up with that. I mean, <clears> well, they're all so scattergun. It's just they are scattergun. I just... Well, you could just talk. I mean, like we kind of went to the back, the background of those other two films. Like, obviously, studio director, like the kind of games companies had quite different ideas of what they wanted from this. And you could just told Game Informer in this interview, he felt that he and the producers had different ideas of what the film should be. Like, he reckons they should cut the violence and innuendo a bit to go from a 12 to a PG. Mm. Though, uh, you know, apart from the teenage shots, it feels very PG to me. Like, I yeah, mean, it, I mean, they could have easily cut it down a bit. They would have expanded their audience. I mean, mm-hmm. they would have made a lot more money from it, I think, if they'd have done that. I mean, the thing is, like, if this was released in the mid-80s, it would have got a PG rating, no problem. Like, mm-hmm. PGs in the 80s, when they were first, that rating was first introduced, was stuff like Gremlins. And mm. There were still swear words in some PG yeah. films. Goonies, yeah. I think, are swear words as well. Mm. Like It was kind of like kids' films that could have kind of swear words in and violence mm. and that kind of stuff. It just feels that like maybe it was the like released at the wrong time. But actually, I think, having watched this now, I think, if anything, the producers were right and you could choose wrong, and they should have really 
driven it up to a 12 and made it a little bit more adult. Mm. I certainly feel like the kids' audience is really there for that. I think like it would have made a difference if they kind of made it a little bit darker and actually gone mm. full on for that kind of thing. And then kids would have been like, "Ooh, it is like I want to sneak in and like like do this <laughs> and like it might." Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It might have. I think it needed a it needed a change. I think it needed a change from from what it's ended up as. But mm. they could have gone full out like fifteen, or <laughs> 18. eighteen, and just gone, like made it like a like a really hard like Jean Claude Van Damme type. Like well, speaking of John Claude Van Damme, double impact. A lot of people saying that. I was kind of shoehorning that. In. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dylan. It is double. They're like saying, "Oh, double impact is the is the film that Double Dragon deserved." Yeah, yeah, to a degree. I can see that. I mean, Double Impact is not a good film, but then neither is Double Dragon. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, have you seen it recently? No, I haven't. I used to love it as a kid. Double, double. pretty bad. I mean, you guys know. I mean, what we're all kind of we all like Van Damme, yeah, up yeah. to a point. Well, but like, I would. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I would not put it in the top five Van Damme films. Ooh. No, no, of course not. I might sw- sneak into mine. Ooh. And you know, like after the top five, it's quite a steep fall, much like the top five Seagal films. Yeah, yeah. There's a pretty steep yeah. fall Under after siege, the top and then boom. <laughs> Obviously, un- one hard to kill is obviously two, yeah. and I guess you're looking at probably above the law, mm. maybe out for justice. I don't know. Like, do you count executive decision in this? Anyway, the rest are all, the rest are awful. <laughs> like through the unwatchable, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think you're looking at obviously Time Cop, Kickboxer, Blood, Universal Sports. Soldier. Yeah, Universal Soldier, all up there. I think after that, there's a bit of a steep fall. Actually, know to run is pretty good. Like, yeah. no, sorry, no, no, to run. No, I'm thinking of Hard Target. Hard Target's the Rob, I saw AWOL recently. That's all right. When was that released? Don't know. What about Sudden Death? Where's Sudden Death in this, eh? Sudden Death's right. Is Sudden Death the really crappy one with like a a version of Die Hard like in a hockey stadium? (laughs) That's a bad film. Oh, come on, people. It's like an ITV4 mainstay. (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, I know it runs kind of watchable, but not a good film. Anyway, like I, yeah, double it. I guess double impacts in that kind of, that kind of batch that level. It's watchable, but not a good film. <laughs> Much like Double Dragon. Do you want to hear people's opinions on Twitter and Facebook? Let's. I do would it. love to. Let's do. This I, I sent out a tweet. I sent out a message on Facebook, and I said, "Look, what's your views on the mid '90s Double Dragon movie? Does the video game adaptation deserve two thumbs up, or or placed straight back in the bargain bin?" I'm guessing said, no one gave it two thumbs up. Well, let's have a look. Uh, good old Andy Endine. Hey Andy, we have to mention Andy, Andy every every podcast, don't we? <laughs> he always chips in. He said, <laughs> "I've never seen it." <laughs> Sounds like an important viewpoint. He said, "Great way to start." <laughs> no, but that's not the end of it. He said, "I've never seen it." To be honest, it's not too high on my to watch list either. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe that's going to change after he hears this. Exactly. Um, video game newsroom time machine. One word, by the way, believe it or not, uh, said only ever saw the trailer. That was enough. <laughs> Are there any opinions from people who've actually seen the film? <laughs> yes. Here's one. The top loader. Rob's, Bob... <laughs> Rob's best friend, Todd. Yeah. Is he dancing in the moonlight about it? <laughs> yeah. oh, top loader. Oh, he said... <laughs> He said, I saw this in the movies. 
worst experience of my life. Worst experience of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's not as bad as Free Willy Two, mate. That that was my worst. That was my oh, worst dude. cinema trip. Jesus, what what on earth was that about? Um, I mean, look, it, I've seen at least fifty films worse than this in my life. Like, I could probably yeah. name twenty in the next two minutes. Okay, but don't like, do that. No, we haven't got time. For <laughs> yeah, but like, me... I've uh, you know, this is it's not not a good film, but it's not a bad film. Well, no, uh, Todd goes on. He said, I saw this in the movies. Worst experience of my life since I normally like a good comedy movie. Not <laughs> not sure <laughs> how they can make a movie so bad, but props to them. <laughs> As they did sure find a way. So instead of two thumbs up, <laughs> it gets the, big, the middle fingers. <laughs> well, all I have to say, Todd, is that you need to watch this again with a couple of beers. Oh, dear. Right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he 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 prefers bo- um, bourbon. Um, so he'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get him some some Jack Daniels or something. Can he, he can but, he can enjoy? But it. Dylan and Rob, I didn't tell you this when I ta- when I did this um tweet tweet. I, I you can tag in people. I actually found this wrestle duo called the Double Dragons. I thought I'd tag him in. <laughs> I'll tag him in. See what happens. Nice. And nice. He, they're like I, these are proper legit wrestlers. I don't know how big they are, but they said. It's a video game movie filmed in the nineties, dude. Do you expect our our opinion to be high, dude? <laughs> what was it? What was his opinion though? I wasn't expecting then, it to be high. And then what I said, they shared it. They retweeted it. I said, "Thanks for sharing." Is the film so bad it's good though? Question mark. And they said, "At least it's got Alyssa Milano, dude." <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude. I'm not sure if they like us. It's got Alyssa Milano, dude. Just like shh. So the double dragons, they I mean, are... If they, if they gimmicks to call everyone dude, why is it not a cool thing to be a 90s video game film? Yeah, well, dude. Jeff Bogard and Johnny Lee here. We're Wrestle Christ's tag team champions, God's Power Rangers, and Winter Drill's Grey Wind and Ghost. It's morphing time. So they've got, an, they've got like... I think they're big fans of uh, Power Rangers as well. There you go. Sounds like backyard level wrestling to me. <laughs> hey, they might listen to this pod, Rob, and they're, pretty, they're tougher than us, so you've got to be careful what you say. Yeah, we don't get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> well, are they British? Uh, no, I think they're. Where are they based? They're based in Miramar, Florida. Well, lockdown conditions. What are they going to do about it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to quarantine for two weeks if they come over here. <laughs> yeah, the jokes on them. Yeah, jokes um, on you. <laughs> yeah, double dragons. Um, Charlie Cat. We like a bit of F there, so. Oh, Anthony. Uh, yeah. That's his new. That's his new moniker, Charlie Cat. And he says, "Few." I mean, wooey on the movie of Double Dragon. Oh, <laughs> Being a bit cheeky there. Uh, Swooper D, the, the old Dan Meister. Hi, Dan. He says, I've never seen it, but I really should. I mean, it's Double Dragon and it features a frosted topped T1000. I don't know, Dan. I think you could probably pass on it, mate. I think you'd probably be all right. Well, no, Callie comes and says, you need to see it, Dan. It's glorious. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Callie says, so, so bad, but brilliant at the same time. I really miss goofy movies like this yeah like i mean i gotta be honest i don't think it is i was expecting it to have it to put it on that level but actually it's not that bad i mean it's not one of those so bad it's good movies i think like it's kind of it's watchable for me when it's gonna, stuff that works stuff yeah. that doesn't but when are we gonna end up watching pit fight of the movie <laughs> i didn't even know there was just thing aha there surely <laughs> is Oh man, we, that would really be the end of it all. Um, I'm pretty sure House of the Dead is going to be on that level, like of, of so bad it's watchable or good. Yeah. 
Well, Michael yeah. Field chips in and he says it sucks as a movie, but it's good fun to watch if you are already expecting to see a bad film. There's a Neo Geo game of the film, which is pretty good, versus Fire. It even oh. plays clips, <coughs> clips from the film on the big screens in the background. That's cool, isn't it? So proper in-your-face uh, action there. Oh. One thing I do actually have to say in praise of the film is that I thought they got the tone in terms of the game right. Like, there's a lot of stuff from the game in the film, but they don't really make a big deal out of it, but there's still nods to the game within the film. I thought it was done a lot better than in Street Fighter or Mario, although obviously not as good as, not as well as in Sonic the movie, which I thought did that terrifically. Mm. But we've covered all these, so... Graham Mason, Dylan, I think he's got one of our t-shirts. Graham, right? yeah, I think he listens to us. Hello, mate. Thanks for supporting the show. And we like thanks it. Thanks for getting the tea. Um, what, what, what does young Graham have to say? He says, love it. There you go, Dylan. Even though it's terrible, I wrote this about it with one of my colleagues, and I kind of retweeted it, and he's got some sort of ant stream on it. Dare you watch Double Dragon the movie. There you go. <laughs> he says, is Double Dragon a rough, undiscovered diamond of a video game movie? And he's got a little thing on there. I don't know. What is ant stream? Like a, I don't Antstream, know. What I say, okay, right, right, right. So, so ant stream is a, like a streaming, like a retro streaming service. Uh, okay. You can just play loads of retro games through your browser, I think. And um, I mean, they're, they're cool guys. We chat to them on Twitter quite a bit, but I haven't actually given the service a go yet. So I will have to dip into that and maybe we'll do a podcast on that at some point in the future. But yeah, it's good to know that people are using it anyway. We love anything that keeps retro going. So we do. Yeah. We do. And a comedy of gamers, they've chipped in. Oh, Matt. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Matt. He said it's, it's so weird. Really make makes no sense at all but it's got robert patrick in it and the style is so 90s the world is richer for this film existing from what i've heard production and rewrites were a bit of a mess an interesting one to dig up into the history of and i reply said thank you it does i it, hopefully it, rob has done his research so i hope rob you have he does and it is it's an interesting movie to discuss i think so it might not be a good movie but it's a good one to discuss it's interesting and it's a good one for it's a good one for video game buffs to go and odd Odd. Yeah, apparently, like, uh, oh. I, I yes, did actually, I didn't really mention it earlier, but I did do some more research into it, and Robert Patrick was actually interviewed by the AV Club. Like, the AV Club mm. do this regular feature called Random Roles. They'll, like, interview kind of an actor and all the actress and, like, all the kind of stuff they've played in the past. And they talk, spoke to Robert Patrick, and Double Dragon came up. Mm. He said, like, he wanted to, because he was a big Kung Fu fan, mm. And like he was, he thought his performance was good, which again we've all agreed with. But he didn't really think the film turned out the way he expected it to. Oh, okay. He didn't think he was that successful. But uh, yeah, maybe he wasn't thinking it would be more kung fu oriented. Who knows? If only I was. Well, I was there. I should have gone up to him at, during Comic Con last year and said, "Robert, mate, look, I've got a plan here. Double Dragon Two, the sequel, Bobo's Revenge. Are you up for it? <laughs> you never know. We Market might get production." We might have the opportunity to speak to Robert in the future. If we <laughs> never, right never say never. If or if I go to Comic Con right. in the future. <laughs> so, odd quid. pod. 50 quid, 50 mate. Qu- Ego, 50 quid. They're like, Robert, do you want to move it on? <laughs> That's what you can ask. <laughs> odd pod. I haven't watched it in years. I actually bought the DVD two years ago and it's still sealed. Maybe I should watch it soon. I don't know. Keep it sealed. A sealed copy would be worth <laughs> millions. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't have watched it if I hadn't been given it as a present and we had to cover it. <laughs> I still haven't watched Tekken. I, I got that, I could give that a Christmas. <laughs> We've got, news. here we go. DRGD Retro said, from what I can remember, this was terrible, but seeing as it's on Amazon Prime and I'm a sucker for punishment, I think I'll try and give it another go. 
I think that's what people. It's on Prime, guys. Yeah, watch it. So this week we're gonna we're gonna tell Amazon Prime, but yeah. you literally can just get on there and stream it and thank <laughs> us later. Well, this uh, guy, this guy chipped in early. He replied to his comment. Is it VNL Apacon? Pronounce it all wrong, I'm sure. He said it's on Prime? Question mark. And I already downloaded the torrent, and he does a, a face palm um, uh, gif, and he says wasted bandwidth. With. Boo Torrent. Download the Torrent. Amazon are an evil company. There you go. So boo, just boo download Amazon it. and Boo Torrent. What, just boo everything. Just, bo- just We've got the DVD. <laughs> We've got Merck here. He says, like the Double Dragon movie was okay. I might have enjoyed it solely because it's Double Dragon. But Double Impact was so more accurate to the Double Dragon game. Ah. Lots of doubles. Double, and double. RetroCon Air, the Plotline Repair podcast, they said classic, <laughs> and it's a brilliant line. At least I don't have to wear the blue one. And then they, they, they do fight pose. What's wrong with the blue one? Sad fight pose. And they show the screenshot of them wearing their new blue and red outfits. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, what, is ridiculous. what is wrong with the blue one? I t- the blue outfit. It's, they're identical apart from being one red and one's blue, right? The, the blue, actually, if you play Double Dragon 3, from memory, I think the blue looks... They've made the blue look really turquoisey. And it looks really, really odd and a bit silly. So maybe they're just taking the mick out of that. I don't know. I, I mean, they both they both look a little bit Indian wedding wedding to me, but yeah, they're both you know, that's very, not bad. Yeah, they're like Indian wedding outfits. Yeah, or Sri Lankan well, wedding we, outfits. I'm allowed to say that I'm Sri Lankan. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 odd. It's odd. But you kind of want one now, right? You kind of want one of those outfits now. I Rob. wouldn't mind it having it in the rotation, but I don't know if I'd wear it out to say the park or something. What colour? Blue or red? Blue or red? Oh, definitely red. Oh, blue oh, one. You're such a blue oh. snob. Anyway, <laughs> carry, any more tweets and things? Yeah, yeah, we're getting that Mads. We like Mads from Retro Asylum. Hello, you know, Mads. he we like him. He's always helping us out. He says, "I love it." I'm not sure why, but for me, this is pure 90s movie bliss. And he said, mine, and he showed a picture of his cover. I can't show a DVD cover. Mine has a different cover. I may have to watch this tonight. There you go. Oh, God, he's, he's with, oh, no. Now he hates <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mads. Um, <laughs> and I put it on Facebook as well, our um, lovely uh, Arcade Attack Extra retro gaming Facebook group. So please join. Mm-hmm. Um, but just don't talk about Double Dragon to our other admin, Nathan, our good friend Nathan, because he says this movie is bloody awful. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong, is he? Let's be honest. Come on. Alex, Alex says, I'm pretty sure I watched it when I was a kid, but I don't remember much of it, to be honest. Same as me, but I watched it again, and there you go. Um, Jamie Taylor. He thinks he, Taylor, Jamie Taylor. He thinks that you guys are like, got a weird connection, Dylan, because he says that movie is on our list of upcoming episodes, too. Have you been peeking at our list? Question mark. I think we're like brothers. A... I think we're like brothers from another mother or something. We get we get like the same right. ideas and we come up with the same kind of crap. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, got to make sure this is released before theirs. In that case, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a battle. Yeah, 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 it's a battle. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Waffling and Taylors. And Nathan's chipped in again because he's seen this miss. Well, everyone's chipping away. He, he's not going to leave it there. He says, "I'm convincing entire arcade attack admins." Sorry, Rob, you're not part of that group. <laughs> I think he means arcade attackers. I think he means all arcade attackers. Rob, you're in. You're back in. Could act better than these Muppets, lol. And then I said... And then Dylan said, don't accidentally start championing an AA Double Dragon remake because you know we would do it. And you know we would. (laughs) And then Andy says to Dylan, I believe that constitutes a legally binding contract. Now you have to do it. We just need someone to fund it, really. Should we crowdfund it? And then Dylan says, smiley, uh, laughing faces. 
I think if that's going to happen, there needs to be a showdown between us and at least one other podcast like group where we like they have to remake a different video game film. Oh, what? And we just we just remaking bad video game movies. We could try stuff. and remake the trailer, maybe. Have you seen that? That there's a great YouTuber. I can't remember who it is, um, and they remake trailers of famous films really badly. Have you seen that, Rob? No, but it, I'm interested. Brilliant. It's, it's very good. They, I mean, they, they purposely make it rubbish. Um, all right, so Steve White. We, we like a bit of Steve White. He says, it pains me to say this about anything 80s. So there you go. Sorry, Steve, it's 90s, but but it was terrible then, and it is terrible now. Oh, Steve. Steve doesn't even know which, dec- which decade is released in. <laughs> we he like Steve White. Steve. But... He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean yeah, that. we love Steve, really. Yeah. Of course uh, he did. We've known yeah. Steve for many years, many, many yeah, years. He, he can take it. He's got thick skin. He's yeah. good. Um and then Faith Johnson, Retro Faith, she's just done that. I don't know who the um, the judge is, but Lord help me with this one. Just the face and hand one. Oh, kind of meme. Oh, gifting. the um, face palm. Face palm thing. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And Jamie chips in one last comment. He says, I've always said that the majority of movies that are based on video games will be relatively entertaining movies if you remove all connections to the games. Ba-ba-ba. It's true though, isn't it? I mean, like, how is it actually linked to the game? It's very bare bones. Yeah, there's two brothers... There's someone called Marion in it. And that's about <clears throat> it, you know. It's the same characters, like, and the same clothes, and they do Kung Fu, and the Double, d- double Dragon Arcade game is in it. That's, that's yeah, you, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. So <laughs> That's it. But it is like like Super Mario Brothers. And we'll go back to this again, because we can't stop talking about Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> the movie. It just, it, in no way is it, like, linked to the game, or has any kind of resemblance to the game. But, you know, it's a relatively watchable sort of take on a dystopian something-something. I mean, when you consider, like, Mario Brothers cost more than six times as much as this film, mm. I think you have to say this film probably... Oh, yeah, they, did, could have used oh, they big did budget. way better. Yeah, they did way yeah. better. They used the their money better. I think, I, think they, I think Mario Brothers spent too much money on the, on the Goombas. <laughs> they, they, spent, they spent so much money on the Goombas, they kind of run out of money when they came into their heads. So they had to make, yeah. they like only had like a couple of quid to make the head. So, yeah. Odd. Odd, odd. Who would you have cast? Imagine there's no budget restraints. Who would be the best brothers, though? No offense to Scott Wolf and Co. Who would you think would be would good they at the time? Would actually have to be real brothers? Or... No, but they, they should look a bit like brothers. Yes, you know. they have to be real bu- brothers like the brothers in the film, Dylan. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah, because, well, okay, all right. So they don't have to be of the same ethnicity. Um, Do they actually have to, what? Age range are we going here for? Kind of. It can be like mid-20s to early 20s, kind of, you know, that sort of... 20s, then. Uh, (laughs) 20s. I don't know. Jason Scott Lee? I'll be honest with you, I've never... I haven't really thought about this. I don't know who would actually be better than those two. Let's just say Scott Wolf and Mark (laughs) DeMass... Matthew Fox and Scott Wolf, yeah? No, I'm going to say Jason Scott Lee. Like he was in uh, the Jungle Book and Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Oh yeah, or and and Mark Descascos. No, sure, Freddie Prince Jr. No, Freddie Prince Jr. No, Freddie Prince Jr. was a complete unknown at this point, and I'm pretty sure he can't do kung fu. Would you just have two Freddie Prince Juniors and not bother him? <laughs> yes, like, like double him? impact. Could you imagine? It'd be, that'd be excruciating. <laughs> oh, but man, it would be entertaining. Oh, I'd watch it. Oh. Mm. Anyway, I mean, like. Ideally, you would have made this in 1987 when uh, the game came out and had Keanu Reeves and Johnny Depp as the brothers. 
that would be hilarious. And in no way would they be anything like the brothers, but that would be pretty hilarious. I mean, like, in the game, didn't one of the brothers have blonde hair? Am I just making that up? Yeah, so it was just a palette swap. So, uh, same sprite, and then they just reversed the hair and the clothes. That was it. So one was, I think one was blondish, and the other one was a, a brunette. And uh, I would still keep Robert, uh, Robert Patrick in the same role, though. He was yes, good. Yes, yes, yes. And with his Andy Kernson therapy moustache, for sure. <laughs> Looks great. Uh, so, yeah, I think, like, uh, as you kind of come to a close of this episode, I have one question, that is... Which film do we cover next? Because I would say we've been doing this roughly, apart from Sonic the Hedgehog, obviously, roughly in chronological order. So, you know what I recommend doing next? Mortal Kombat. Mortal yes. Kombat. Yeah, let's and do it. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the sequel. What, what, what two in one kind of thing? Yes. Are I'm not on, doing a sip. Are comments. they on? Are they on Evil Amazon Prime or Netflix or something? I honestly have no idea, but we'll get hold of it somehow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. More combat is yeah. More combat is. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow eighty two, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.